This is the Danger Close Podcast. Beyond the Books with me, Jack Carr. Welcome to the Danger Close Podcast, an Ironclad original presented by Navy Federal Credit Union. My guest today is my friend, Jim Shockey. You might know Jim from shows like The Professionals, Jim Shockey's Hunting Adventures, Uncharted, and his current show on the outdoor channel, Shock Therapy. He is a guide and outfitter from Canada, and his novel, Call Me Hunter, is out now, and it is absolutely fantastic. So now, without further ado, Jim Shockey. Man, thank you for taking the time and congratulations. Call me Hunter. But there's, we have so much to talk about. Um, I'm so excited for this book to come out and for people to read it because they're going to learn so much more about you. I mean, I don't even know where to start. I, I had this problem when we did the, the podcast last time because I think I had just read the printed out Word document. Yeah, yeah. It was my really rough no ending even you, you the last four chapters weren't even there but it was so special when i read that and you know i was kind of worried because um we're, we're friends i have so much respect for you and for your family and everything that you've uh, you've done for those who venture afield for your example leadership and then i'm like oh what if this is you know what if this is terrible and here it is and and i'm like oh geez and i sat down to read it and i'm like it just it just blew me away and uh there's nothing really even to compare it to out there. And that's when I sent it to Emily Bessler at Emily Bessler books imprint of Atria Simon and Schuster. And, uh, I haven't sent her anything before. It's the only thing I've, I've sent her. It had a different title. Um, and uh, I said, this was, there's something very special about this. And I wouldn't send it to you if I, uh, I'm not sending it to you just so I can tell someone else that I passed it along. You know, I don't want to waste her valuable time. And anyway, it's incredible. Um, I don't even know where to kick this thing off. Uh, first, you know what? Let family. Let's. Uh, how's Luis doing? It's it's pretty rough, yeah. uh, Jack. I got to tell you. I mean, it, it 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 was a year and ten months ago that she got the diagnosis. They gave her three months and and maybe six to nine months if she did chemo, and and uh, now it's a year and ten months. So so the you know the, the, we we've been living day to day for uh for the last year and 10 months um yesterday she uh did a psilocybin a, a you know the, the the magic mushroom it's some sort of a new treatment that, that john hopkins university has done studies and said that it changes your pathways in your brain uh, so she did that yesterday so she's still you know she's she's still great looks at the world very positively and uh and uh, is an inspiration, I, courageous. If I had, you know, like that much of her courage, you know, I, I'd be the bravest warrior out there. She's yeah. she's uh, she's amazing, beautiful inside and out still to this day. Yeah, and you're, uh, I mean, you've, you've, those pictures, her smile and all those pictures, it's just remarkable. Um, and you've, uh, you know, been sharing that, that journey with everybody um, through social media, particularly yeah, Instagram, it's so tough. Yeah, I think, you know, we, we, there's nothing to hide. I mean, there's nothing yeah. to be ashamed of. We, you know, Louise lived the most healthy life you can live. I mean, field to table and, and she, uh, you know, was a yoga dance instructor for 35 years. 
you know, I'm, I don't think there's ever been a deep fried anything, you know, enter her mouth. And I, you know, I, my pie hole, I fill it full of deep fried crap all the time. And, you know, she gets this. So it, 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 there's many people going through similar journeys and everybody eventually, and there's been eight, nine billion of us in the past, human beings have gone through this. So, so, you know, if 9 billion of us have gone through this before and there's 8 billion of around now today on this planet and we're all going to go through it again, I, you know, we can too. And there's nothing to be ashamed of. And 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 it's, um, I think it's a, a time where you can embrace the the just the joy of being alive. You know, we suddenly realize, you know, okay, there's, there's an end date on this. There's an expiry date and this is your ticket or whatever cliche you want to use. It, it, it puts your time into perspective. I, I just read something about that today. Who who said that? Um, where time is time is like money from a bank or a loan from the bank, where they'll loan you all the money you want when you don't need it, uh, but when you need it, you know it's not there. And and it's um, you know we realize that every day is precious. We don't we don't waste a minute. Never never waste a minute. We and we always we never did. So yeah. there's no regrets. In our life, we always lived true to who we are and and what we believed. Yeah. You know, so so I think that's important to share with people, and Louisa does too. She's made a big difference in many many people's lives uh, just by her example. And if, yeah. if you you know, you know, <laughs> what did Karl Marx say? From those according to their ability mm. to those according to their need. Mm. You know, Louisa has ability, so she she um, she she's giving. She's she's giving with that smile oh, and yeah. by example. And I, I apologize to all your listeners for quoting Karl Marx. I'm sure that will <laughs> put me right up on the I know. On the I know. The They're gonna... <laughs> well, yeah. pl- please, yeah. uh, you know, please give her a hug from me and give her all my love and um, yeah, my best to 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 all of you guys. I think about you every day. I send prayers every day. Since you told me, I think you I think geez, I remember exactly where I was when we talked and it was working on book number five. So I was in a rental and, uh, and we talked and I'd already read the book, sent it to Emily. Um, so it was like, uh, the fall, October of, uh, of 2022. Anyway, everything's kind of blended into one long day for me. 21, 21 and might've been 22. Yeah. And, uh, but that's it. It's been appreciated, and and like I say, I want to make sure before this is done that I spend enough time thanking you and and letting everybody know when you say you sent my novel off. Novelists never do that. That's just never done. Where you send a, you know, we all get. I get people sending me books every week, and and uh, it's not something you pass on to your to an agent like Emily Bessel, who for anybody that doesn't know, she's the rock star of. Of editing out there in in the in the publishing world, uh, you know, you did that. That that's uh, I, I don't know if you've read this latest version you have in your hand there, but the uh, I, I gave you a thank you in there that it, it gives it. me hope for this world. And yeah, I mean, you didn't have to do that because if you're wrong, then what it does it reflects on you as as a novelist, and it does because you've used up how much time does it take to read a novel by people that are so busy like Emily Bessler. It was a huge, and I, I promise you, I may never be able to repay you, but I promise you that will be paid forward to 
to somebody out there as many times as I possibly can. You know, as long as as long as it's deserving, obviously. Like you said, you you know, you, you could have got it and go, oh, stinks. And, <laughs> oh no, and, and it did not. You, yeah, yeah. You, you gotta you gotta tell me, uh, hey, by the way, your novel kind of stunk up the whole room. So that's why <laughs> I never it up. Well, it did not, but, and I wanted uh, to I wanted to wait until I had time. That's because I had it for, gosh, a good four months, maybe maybe even longer before I sat down to read it because I'm writing my book. I'm on deadline. I'm past deadline. Uh, and I'm just going, going, going. And I know I need for this in particular, I wanted to spend the right. I didn't want to skim it. I wanted to read it and very, there's not much time to do that these days because it's either reading a book for a podcast because a guest is coming on or research for a book that I'm working on. So the days of me being able to string up a, a, a hammock in the backyard between two trees in the shade and just put my feet up and just read for the magic and the enjoyment of reading like I could do when I was younger. Um, the, those days are uh, hopefully more in the future, but not right now. Now it's all, there's a, no. there's a focus and there's a re yeah. there's a reason for spending that time doing these things, but I wanted to read yours that way. I wanted to experience it that way as a reader would and uh, really spend some time with it. So I remember I sat down, I remember where we were at the time we weren't in this house yet and uh, sat there on this, this chair, the kids were off doing their thing. So I had a moment, uh, a few hours uh, of quiet and I had a cup of coffee and I put it down and I started reading and I was, oh, I was like, wow, this is this is different and this is special. Um, and because I know you, I knew some of these things that you'd brought in, not some, a lot of this background from your real life, from your earliest days up to today. And, and it, wow, it was really cool to experience it like that. So I haven't read this one yet because I'm waiting for the hardcover. Cause I want to read, I want to experience the hardcover of this and seeing it from that printout from that, uh, uh, that word document yeah, that I real. read with a different title and then to the final version. So I, I did, I gave it a quick little look and I went to the, the end there just cause I saw, saw my name. And, uh, so <laughs> I read that, but uh, I want to experience the, uh, hardcover when that arrives. And I know Emily will get me one right off the, the press. Uh, but this is, and the cover is amazing. How cool is that? I thought, yeah, I, you know, I thought I, I had ideas I gave him cause I mean, I, my whole life I've dealt in art and, and been interested in it and, and fancy myself that, you know, I got a, good sense of art so i gave them ideas and and they kind of said yeah thank you very much but no thanks and here's what we're going to do i I said wow that is i mean it's stunning yeah stunning it really is it's perfect uh and i love the new title um the old the the, 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 i don't know did you talk about the old title or no because sometimes i have a working title and then i don't share it because i might use it elsewhere down the line so i don't know if you later on yeah so I don't know if I share if you yeah, share well, the title I mean, we or did, not. We did it. Yeah, we we did on, on the last podcast. We did the, oh, we did? the working okay. title was "Man of Stars," mm-hmm. and and so you know it was out there. And I, you know, the "Man Man of Stars" was a good title without the last four chapters. Mm-hmm. But with the last four chapters that you didn't get to read, mm-hmm. uh, you know, "Call Me Hunter" makes a lot more sense now. And and it's it, it, I mean <laughs> it's another play from another angle you know another perspective uh, another level that that um i i think it works i i'd love i'd love to say that i thought i had i mean i had everything around it but the actual call me hunter was emily uh, i am emily. good for <laughs> and, her. and as soon as she said it because we i i gave her 
I'm going to say 2,000 titles, like I literally trying to find the perfect title. And we were talking about it. This was, well, I am sure you, I don't know, maybe you don't, maybe your titles are fantastic. Oh, I, I was you. looking at them again today. Like they're the best. I don't know if you pick every one of them out, but that I, was. I have thus it, far. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're great titles. Thank you. And and that's the hardest. I think I was too close to it to actually see it. You know, the, the, oh yeah, of course there's the title. It has to be the way the book's written. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, Emily Bessler is, She's she's not oh, yeah. only a great editor, she's also uh, extremely creative. Oh yeah, oh she is fantastic. I was just talking to her this morning, and uh, yeah, I've chosen all my titles thus far. Picked them all. Like it's important for me to have a title at the beginning, so I'm not wasting bandwidth worried about that. Uh, thinking, oh my gosh, I've yeah. had good titles up to this point. What if I don't find a good one this time? So we're about to announce the uh, title for book seven. So I chose that one, but a lot of authors don't. A lot of authors just say I'm not good at it, or uh, maybe they were they picked the first couple and then they're kind of struggling. And um, but a lot of authors don't pick their their titles. Um, but thus far, I have. I think it's an important thing to think about. I think it is very important uh, that title to the story. Um, yeah. That, that it, well, of course, it's the first thing that people are going to see, mm -hmm. and 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 like I say, it was, you know, I I like Man of Swords, but mm -hmm. there's marketing comes into this, and and point of purchase. What I understand is that I basically would have ixnayed sixty percent of the purchasers with Man of Swords, even, <laughs> even though Man of Swords is kind of, you know, what the book's about, but it's also about you know, Call Me Hunter. So, so yeah, she she. Um, and I, I was pretty adamant about Man of Swords, I got to say, because it, to me that was mm. a, a great title. But you know, I'm I'm me, and and I wouldn't that wouldn't turn me off at a point of purchase. So you know, Call Me Hunters is a, is a better title. But it, it, the whole process has been fascinating to me. The editing, how you do it, I, I again I tip my hat a hundred times because it, it's the amount of work that I've discovered. You know, I thought okay, write a novel. There you go. Out it goes. No, I, I've read that my own novel at least, I'd say eight times, thoroughly, mm -hmm. including you know out loud, three times now, mm -hmm. you know just to try and pick out mistakes and you know flow that mm -hmm. doesn't work, and then and still you find the odd little glitch. Mm -hmm. it, it's incredible. Besides the fact of all the other people that get involved, and for you to to do what you do, I mean. I, you know, you're writing the next one before the last one's hardly out. I, mm. yeah, I'm nowhere near that discipline, you know, <laughs> different point in my life too. But, but, uh, I mean, I've worked out the next sequel in my head, but, mm. uh, to actually sit down and write it, I, I, like I say, I tip my hat, I, you know, kudos, salute, the discipline that you have to do what you do is, is amazing. Anybody that's out there listening to this, if you're not a novelist, yeah, and, and it's not, it's different because you're not, you know, you, you're creating, you're creating. And and it, it's not you're writing about somebody, you're you're creating this as unbelievable depth of imagination. And, and uh, I mean, I've read every one of your books. I, I held back because I, I got kind of bummed about reading them. I'd, I'd read them and then <laughs> I, I got to wait six months. So I said, no. And so I, I waited a year. So I had both of them. So then I just went cover to cover on both of them. It was uh, your last two. It was awesome in the blood. And 
Only the dead is this one in the blood, the last one. Yeah, devil's hand before that. But I love every part of the process. I think loving it, love it, not dreading editing. I hear from other authors sometimes they they hate a certain part of the process, whether it's the, uh, you know, the marketing and interviews or it's the editing or it's uh, coming up with the concept or they struggle. I love every single part of the process, Uh, even though they're all difficult in their own ways. It's uh, real bullets aren't flying at me. Real grenades aren't rolling in like that sort of a thing. So I put it in perspective as well and realize that, you know, if I make a mistake on these pages, not the end of the world. No one's going home in a body bag. If I make a mistake here, people will let me know because (laughs) today you can let me know all sorts of different ways that there's a mistake somewhere in here. So I, uh, I really try to get a lot of these, uh, the technical details, right. And obviously I just, uh, I want to honor the story with every single word and every single word comes from my heart and soul. Uh, but I love the editing process. I love getting the, the the manuscript where it, where as good as I can get it and then going back and trying to get it to the next level and trying to figure out, oh, are there any gaps in here? Uh, Any gaps I need to fill to set something up a little better or did something change from my outline or my idea over the past year of writing this that now needs a little more explanation? And anyway, I I, I love every part of this this process and feel so fortunate to be here doing it. So that's probably part of it as well. But uh, but you knocked it out of the park with with this, I got to say. Yeah, I just lost you there. I don't know what... uh... Oh, what went on there but think, so. we're, think we're back you're all the way up in canada and uh speaking of canada sometimes when i send you books oh, oh we're still oh uh, yeah uh sorry sorry about that back? i'm trying to you you've gone so if i can if you can hear me and still see me great i, I can't it. see anything so oh no can you hear uh, me but it, oh, there now i got you okay, okay. go on um yeah sometimes that'll have the technical glitches of not doing it in person but uh i mean you knocked it out of the park with this and you're all the way up in Canada. We had some technical difficulties right there, but, uh, part of getting things to Canada, not just this, uh, the satellite connection that we have right now is when I send you books, especially during COVID, they took a while to get there. I mean, it took one of the books, yeah. like I probably is 21, it's probably Savage Sun in 2020 and maybe the next one, the devil's hand. Like Canada was serious about going through packages. Like it took maybe a month or longer to get, uh, get a book to you just in the mail. I'm sure they probably tested it every which way for COVID. Uh-huh. They, uh, did swabs, and I mean, who knows what's going on? But they, yeah, they, Canada was shut down. I mean, literally, we we weren't allowed to leave our little local area. I mean, yeah. it's bizarre to think about it now, but uh, you know, it, it happened. It was, but and the books did make it, and thank goodness. You know, I mean, there's there's silver linings, right? We I had time to sit down and read. That's for sure. Yeah, I wasn't never went anywhere. So it also gave me time to write. Yeah. Was there, was it a full year that the, uh, the outfitters were, were shut down or did, was it a two year? I forget now. It was, it was de- depending on when your outfitting was, our, our, uh, spring bears were shut down for a year and a half. Okay. So two seasons basically, but a year and a half, everything was shut down. So if you got it, if you caught it wrong, you were, mm-hmm. you lost two seasons. Um, our Yukon territory, we one season, mm-hmm. um, and, 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 we could still take Canadian uh, citizens, uh, but not not anybody else. And and uh, you know that was just a year that we had a, a fair few Canadians. I think there was eight or ten okay. Canadians booked. They're, they're full price. They they don't get a discount for the Canadian exchange. <laughs> um, and nor would I sell the hunts for the American guys that couldn't come up. I could have resold them in Canada for a discount and made money. And but but I wouldn't do that. Uh, to me. 
we're we're all in this together. So yeah. the, the Canadians that could come, they came, and and so we had a partial season. I, I think Wojo and I got a chance, my right hand guy mm-hmm. back in those days for. 30, 25 years. Wow. Uh, we got a chance to go hunting together for the first time. Uh, it was awesome. You know, it's cool. no, no, you know, normally we'll take 45 to 55 clients. So we had eight. It, yeah. it was fun. I mean, it's like I say, there's silver linings. I got to yeah. just explore the territory well, as yeah. much as I can. It's, I think, 7.5 million square acres. So wow. <laughs> not a single road. So exploration will probably take about, hundred lifetimes before yeah. I even get a 10% of it covered. Oh, I mean, well, I can't wait to make it up there, but right now, um, fires, right? Yeah, we, um, our, uh, base camp out of Mayo, we've got, you know, our two big two-story log cabins there and, uh, we, we just got evacuated. So the guys aren't back in our, in our base camp yet. And that's on the very, uh, western edge of the territory there okay. is a road that goes to that spot not into the territory but on the border yeah. so the the guys are out in the out in the bush right now we just uh dropped uh three argos off in the northwest territories and then the guys like uncharted wilderness drove the argos into the yukon from from the northwest territories and they, they arrived at my personal camp uh yesterday oh, so wow. i mean it, it's just so cool that you know, this is not horse trails that you're following. This is just figuring out a way. I mean, you've got maps and whatnot, but you're, you know, they figured out a way to get from the Northwest Territories, and, and we're talking a couple hundred miles. It just, I mean, we can still do things like that in today's world, the adventure. I was yeah. so jealous, actually. You know, and I don't get jealous often, but those guys, I mean, you drop off at the end of the, the, the road and yeah. start going. Just go, and you got to get to a place. Uh, rivers, whatever, mountains you got to cross. Just the challenge is, is still there for those of us that have that explorer's gene inside us. Yeah. Um, and and obviously it's there for those of us that had the gene but can't get up there right now because, and that's, like I say, results in jealousy. But uh, yeah, we're, we're going still hard. We got our first yeah. sheep already. Oh, wow. Um, my hunts are, Yukon Terri- Rogue River Outfitting Territory is, mm-hmm. is, uh, physically demanding for sheep you yeah. I mean, it's backpack from the ground up there's no horses okay you you've got a everything you want it's on your back for 14 days and wow and up you go so so we don't get a lot of sheep hunters go okay. figure but uh <laughs> I, I I'll, I'll save one of those hunts for you awesome. someday you're welcome to come up <laughs> thank you I'm, go at it. you I'm gonna need to get back uh, in shape here I've been doing a lot more writing than uh than training as of late but uh that's just kind of how it goes and for those listening to Argo is, is there, are there four wheels on the Argo and or they can be tracked is that how are four on each side no, they're eight eight wheel drive so four they're, yeah, yeah four on each side yeah yeah they're in they're amphibious mm-hmm. vehicles they're they're made in Canada actually and I bump into them all over the world. Mozambique up in the mm. Zambezi Delta. I think you were there. They yeah. they use Argos there and, and they, on the uh, Scottish Highlands, they use Argos there. Nice. The Yukon, we use Argos. Uh, obviously, British Columbia and all over North America. Yeah, uh, Russia as well. I think Russia's starting to create their own uh, variation of it now. But uh, Argos, yeah, they're, they're... I used to have 82 horses up there that we do the... You know, it was all horseback. Wow. Uh, five-day trail ride just to get to the first camp. Wow. Um, then the, the horses would stay there in the various camps all season, then we'd trail yeah. them out. But um, I, I traded all the horses in or got rid of them, sold them, 
and replace them with Argos. And each Argo does the work of seven horses. Wow. You know, so I can pack an entire moose and, you know, two guys and, and their gear in one Argo. And and they're amphibious. I mean, yeah. they, they literally go anywhere, although it gets a little bit exciting when you're trying to cross any fast-flowing rivers here. I'm sure. You know, I, I, when, amphibious means they float, you know, but yeah. they're forward-wise, they're, you, 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 if you got any you know, three to five mile an hour wind, you're, you're, you're going to be held still in the lake. Wow. So, yeah. so they're, you, but you can put a little outboard on them, on them too. But I have seen yeah, they're, they're fabulous machines. Yeah, they got some new ones out there now too. Uh, they've just for the past couple of years, some, some improvements or some upgrades, but a friend of ours uses one. We used to be on a uh, lease down in Texas in Red River County. So it's right on the Texas, Oklahoma border. Uh, I took the kids out mm -hmm. there for, uh, for their, for the first year. And uh, our friend out there, he's been in a wheelchair since he's 16 and he's fifties uh, now. But uh, for someone who's in a wheelchair, had that Argo and being able to use it like a tracked vehicle, meaning one side can go and the other side cannot, you can pivot. Yeah pretty easily so if you if you have a mobility issue so for him that uh he loves that argo down there and a kiss of course the kids love getting on or they did back when they were younger getting on that thing and going out there with him and essentially it's a moving blind and uh because not there's no fences out there and in, in uh on that that part of texas anywhere at least on our our lease there and uh but for him, it's great because it's a moving blind. He just moves that thing in and kind of backs it in, has some camo netting and some some veg. We'd veg it up before we'd go out there, and the kids love doing that too, uh, getting the veg and tying tying it in there. So he gets out there and can park oh, that cool. thing and then kind of can adjust and to, to take a shot. So it's a really, really cool thing, especially for uh, for him being in that uh, in that wheelchair. It, uh, it's, it's, again, yeah, it's they, a cool thing for the yeah. kids to see also, see that adaptation. Yeah, yeah they, they're like mini tanks too. I, mm -hmm. You know, I, I can get places. I, I can almost go anywhere a horse can go, and I can certainly go places a horse can't go. Mm. Uh, where, where the only place we get stopped up on the Argo is is in steep rocks. Mm -hmm. you, you get you, it gets too rocky. Your the Argo ceases to be you know the best choice, and horse yeah. becomes a better choice. But uh, but yeah, they're they're amazing. I I love my my Argo. They're like mini tanks yeah. nowadays. Like, and they work like tanks yeah, too with, I, the, with, uh, with uh, the, how yeah. one side can go and the other can, can uh, stay in place and, and pivot. So they're, they're incredible machines. Um, what did you find that was the most, what was the biggest surprise to you after Emily read this and called you and you guys started talking about the, the process? Um, does anything stand out to you as having a preconceived notion about how something was done in publishing or uh, anything along those lines? I just the time it takes. I mean, I'm used to running my own time. So, so if I want something done, I'll, I'll do it today mm -hmm. and it'll be done this week. But that, you know, a book takes a long time. I mean, there's, you got to sit down and read it. It takes hours and hours and hours. Um, so that was the first thing was, was I, I guess the slowness of the process. Mm -hmm. um, but the, the more, I think the more impressive thing to me was, was, Emily's ability to to read it and say, "Oh no, this this doesn't work." I mean, I mm -hmm. thought I thought I was pretty good at writing, um, but but she could take you know and say, "No, this whole paragraph, you know, out of here." And I said, "Why?" You know, I, I spent half a day on that paragraph. I love the paragraph, it's, but her her ability to to see things that I couldn't see that were missing mm -hmm. and and suggest it, you know incredible i mean i i think i said that in my credits at the end there that mm. you know just wow wow amazing talent that she has um 
and and the, you know as a ancillary part of that i was told ahead of time all the the rewriting process the editing you know it's horrible you mm-hmm. you know they're going to butcher your thing they're going to i i loved it you know yeah. when, when you're talking about you know loving every part of it i literally loved i i could mm-hmm. not wait to get her to say okay mm-hmm. yeah I, I see that when she says it, i see that and she was right i'd say 98 percent mm-hmm. of the time and the two times out of 100 that i i put my foot down you know it's I don't know that I was right. It was just what I wanted that, you know, that, to be it that way. But, uh, but I, I loved it because you're taking, uh, and I said it in there to take a, a chunk of granite and, and cut it down to, you know, facet it to this gem. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, it was really cool. And I, I don't think it was that horrible. You, you read oh. the roughest version of it. It was fantastic. It, you know, it was, well, thank you. But, but it's it, the one you have in your hand right now is better. Yeah, and and I like I said, four more chapters. You know, she right off the bat said, "You can't, you can't do that." And I said, "What well, can't do what?" And she said, "You can't leave it as a cliffhanger." Yeah, it it has to be your first time. Yeah. And literally, she said, "Jack Carr can do that, but you can't." That's what she said. <laughs> you're, you're established, oh, best selling. You can leave a you could leave a cliffhanger, but apparently, on my first novel, I'm not allowed to, um, or at least I could have I could have put my foot down artistically, and they would, you know. But but uh, she's right. She's right. So of course, I I literally wrote the first four chapters of the sequel that I had in my head and just attached them on because nice. that answers the questions of the right. the first one. You know, it was my hubris thinking that I could just do a cliffhanger. I'm Stephen King or something. Right. But uh, but um, I I loved the editing process. I really I really loved loved it. Like to to figure it out and to find okay the words and mm-hmm. and you know fix this and make this or make sense of that when you said this and refer to that um so that you know that part was i found really interesting the the other thing that i found was how complicated it is to keep references that you made at the beginning of the novel Mm -hmm. you know i'm writing six months later Mm -hmm. and i i didn't refer to it you know the right time date Mm -hmm. whatever place oh yeah i I mean and, and then to, when you read it again, you catch it one or two, and then, but it's not until the fourth time that you catch it. And then you realize, I mean, I don't know how many times you'd have to read a book before it's perfect. It would have to be, I, I mean, maybe they come out, maybe they do come out perfect. And, you know, this one, will, no one will be getting a hold of me and saying, hey, you forgot to dot an I or something. But, but yeah, uh, yeah I, I was, yeah. And that is sort of over. All in the whole thing was how much work it is. I, I think that um, they make a joke about it and say, I, you know, I've been writing 2019 November. I started and I've made about a dollar fifty an hour in my <laughs> novel so far. There you go. And, and, you know, but but it's it, it so, but I would I never wrote it for the dollars. Right, I mean, right. dollars are wonderful if it comes in, but but you you know, I had that in my head. I wrote the first lines 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. I Bag was dead. I killed him, and I mm-hmm. wrote that. I knew the whole. Actually, the first page was all written, and I had it outlined in my head. So you know, I I didn't do it for the money. I, I waited till I lived life, and mm-hmm. I think I might have said that in yeah. one of uh, a review on your book mm-hmm. on the very first term. Yeah, yeah. You did. Second, I remember. But that's you live life, and then you have a story to tell, mm-hmm. and that that's you know. So so I yeah, I've lived my life. Now it's time to tell the story. So I don't consider myself a, a writer, a, an author, yes, but not 
not a writer. That's why I don't feel any pressure to start doing a sequel right away. <laughs> well, that's, that's, I guess that's good that you don't feel the the pressure to, to do that because that's different because most people do. Um, and uh, But I had already written most of the second one by the time the first one had uh, come out. I was already in Mozambique doing my research before the, I'd even sent the book to Emily, um, before I even, yeah. before any of that. So I, I always knew I was going to write two. And then if both didn't work out, then I was going to reevaluate. But um, John Grisham wrote yeah. A Time to Kill first, and then he couldn't give that book away. And then he writes The Firm. And that takes off. So if he had gotten discouraged yeah. that he couldn't, and I think a time to kill is arguably, I haven't read all his, his books, especially the, these later yeah. ones, but I read all of those out of the, out of the gate, uh, time to kill Pelican yeah, yeah, Brief, yeah. Right? and, uh, and I think a time to kill, I would, if you had to say, you know, what's your quote unquote favorite, which is a term I don't like to really use, but I think it's one of his best works is a time to kill. And that's the one he couldn't, couldn't give away. So I, I thought, well, you know, if he had stopped, then he might just now be retiring from some law practice that he hated. Always thinking back to, gee, should I have written yeah. that second book? Should I have written The Firm? And of course he did. And Tom Cruise stars in the movie and it's a you know huge international bestseller. And we've had a John Grisham novel every year since. Um, so I, I had that in my mind. So that's why I was already in Mozambique uh, doing that research before I'd even sent the first novel to Emily. Service isn't just what Navy Federal Credit Union does. It's who they are. That's why Navy Federal created tools to help you earn and save more. Make your financial goals a reality with great rates and low fees. Members enjoy earnings and savings of $473 per year by banking with Navy Federal. An average credit card APR that's 6% lower than the industry average. A market-leading regular savings rate nearly two times the industry average. Learn more at NavyFederal.org slash offers. I've been a member of Navy Federal since I enlisted in the Navy in 1996 and have had nothing but positive experiences with them for what is now closing in on 30 years. Wherever we were stationed, whether at home or abroad, Navy Federal was by our side. Navy Federal has made it their mission to help military members and their families tackle home ownership. With their new no-refi rate drop option, you can buy a home now. And if rates drop later, you can then lower your rate without refinancing. Plus, they also offer mortgage options with zero down payment. So you don't need to wait years to save at Navy Federal. Our members are the mission. Find out more at NavyFederal.org. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, membership required, Equal housing lender, open to the armed forces, the DOD, veterans, and their families. NavyFederal.org. Recently on Change Agents, an ironclad original, Andy Stump spoke with journalist Mark Bunker about his investigations into allegations of abuse by the Church of Scientology. These people showed up at Lisa's hospital room and convinced her to check herself out against the doctor's wishes. They told the doctor, hey, we're going to take care of her. She'll be fine. They took her back to the Fort Harrison, put her in a room, locked her up there for 17 days, where they put her on what Hubbard called the introspection rundown or baby watch. And this was this nonsense that Hubbard created to handle a psychotic break. Uh, the theory was uh, they need complete silence. Finally, uh, after 17 days, her condition became so bad that they decided, and instead of calling an ambulance, of course, they decided to throw her in the back of one of their vans and they drove her to a hospital, but not the Morton Plant Hospital a couple of blocks away. 
No, they drove 45 minutes to uh, another hospital where there was a Scientologist doctor on, on call. And when they showed up there, she was dead. To see the full interview and more, check out Change Agents wherever you get your podcast or on YouTube at This Is Ironclad. Yeah, see, that's super cool. And I, I mean, I knew that you were that disciplined. I, I mean, yeah, I, I, I could, but and I should, and I, I know all that. You've got a few things going but, on but right I, now, though, and this is so fantastic. I'm just glad that you're going to enjoy this, that your family's going to enjoy this whole process, seeing this on shelves, have that hardcover uh, out there, uh, and and for other people to read this and and see how talented you are and and really dive into this story um because it is so unique like i said and it's and and it's so fantastic and does stand alone it's really you can't really drop it into it'll get thrown into a you know cat genre category because that's what we do but it's hard to really fit it specifically into one it does fit but it's different and it's so great and so unique and so personal um which is why i really really loved it but uh, what you're talking about earlier about those phrases that you're that paragraph you spent a day on or a half day on um uh, Stephen King talks about that in, in on writing and about falling in love with a phrase or a sentence or a paragraph or a character that's going to need to go uh, later on. As hard as that is, um, you've got to cut it away. He talks about about that. But uh, this last one, the portions in Colorado on the Taylor River were originally in my outline down in Argentina. And I always wanted to put Argentina into a book. I went to Tipeluque Lodge down there and spent some time down there uh, as I was starting to write this last one. And by the time I got to it in the novel, it felt forced. And I knew it felt forced. Um, it was not going to be natural for my character to go all the way to Argentina and then back up. So the Argentina portions became Colorado and became the Taylor River. Uh, and I'll use Argentina again in something something else in the future. But uh, sometimes it's just things are going to going to change as you go through the the process, and you know that's okay. Yeah, no, I agree hundred percent. And and like you said, I mean the that's you got to love that because it's, it, it makes a better, th ultimately what you want is the best. It, I mean, maybe not everybody. There's people at mediocrity that just, mm. they're, you know, good enough, good enough, but, but that's not you and it's not me. So it, to make it better, whatever that is, if I got to cut off finger to make mm. something better then so be it. That's, that's what's got to happen. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I get it. And it, but <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, the, I never kept the 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 words and the lines that were that were edited out, but I, I wish I would have kept them in a file somewhere because I uh, think they're great. Yeah, still think they're great. Oh but, yeah, you got to keep them. But, well, they'll be back in. You know, you can go back and look in those older Word documents and pull yeah. them out. But as you go along, and I do do that as I go along, I do exactly that. I pull out those parts and then I put them in another Word document and uh i forget what i titled yeah. i titled it like you know book seven cutouts or something like that so it's on a in a folder yeah. on my desk and i just yank those out drop them in that word document and it's over there because maybe two months from now i go oh you know i shouldn't have cut that out or what did i cut out and why and it's right there and i can go reference it or for a future novel which has also uh happened in the past i've grabbed one of those paragraphs out and it's made it into a future novel so that's a good idea sure, I yeah, think. because it yeah just because it's not it doesn't make it in this one doesn't make it not good writing mm -hmm. and but i because i was such a, a a novel novelist 
you know, I didn't do that. And I, but I do have it in hard copy and I'm sure I got the original mm. digital version somewhere yeah. so I can, I have it I, you know, now. It's, <laughs> it's not, it's work now. You know, I got to go dig through it. Right. And right. It out. Yeah. 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 It's all about efficiencies too. Efficiencies, especially when you're juggling, you know, life, life in general, that's just how it, uh, how it goes. Um, when you were writing this or when you look back on it, um, you know, there are things in here that if people don't know you, they're just going to come off as very creative and, uh, insightful and just, just amazing writing, propelling the story forward for those who maybe know you personally, or even people who have followed you on Instagram and seen some of those throwback photos. Um, they're like, wait a sec, water polo. Wait, didn't I see that on his Instagram maybe a year ago? Did he do something? And now it's in this book. So there'll be something for everybody, uh, in this, whether they, they know you or don't. Um, and it'll be a different experience for, for those people, I think. So it's, it's really cool to have a book where, and different people are bringing different, um, different backgrounds, personal experiences to anything they read or watch or anything, anything creative. So that's just a part of it. But because this is so personal, this one kind of stands out as, uh, something that's so well done, but that people who know you will be like, wait, wait, what? And they'll stop and they'll think, wait, okay, let me go back to that water polo thing. Or let me go back to that museum piece that he showed. Um, you know, when was that two years ago on Instagram? They'll be scrolling through or like, am I crazy? Is this, is this something that's real? Um, so when you look back on writing this or rereading it and editing it, what parts that were so personal to you stand out, uh, in here as being the, the most emotional or the, the most personal to you, or maybe something that you thought about not including because it was too personal. I, you know, what I, and I, I've even say that in the preface that I would love, I would love for somebody that's, you know, got a lot of resources to dig into it, to find out. I read that, you know, what's true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like quicksand. If you want to struggle against this, go ahead. Well, how many levels down do you want to go to try and prove mm -hmm. something is false? Cause you're not, you're not going to be able to, you, you will not be able to prove it's false because it's so autobiographical. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, people here in the museum, that's where I'm talking to you right now from, but they'll, they'll, they'll ask me about it and I'll say, look, it's not an autobiography, but it's 80% true. And the 20% that would put anybody in jail, that's the fiction part. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of smile and say, it's up to you to figure out what, what parts mm -hmm. what, but you know, the, the, um, you know, they're not being able to read the, and I, I, I don't want to give everything away, but the, you know, the young boy Hunter, um, when I was that age, I couldn't read, you know, the, my parents took me into a child psychiatrist and said, what's, what's wrong with this kid? He, you know, he, he can't read, you know, well, what I couldn't read was see Dick run and see Jane mm. jump up the mountain or whatever. I wasn't interested. And, and they tested me and, and just, like I say, it's, it's all true. They uh, tested me and said, uh, oh, it's not that your kid can't read. You're just not giving him a book that he's interested in. Mm -hmm. Take him to the library, take him to the adventure or the wildlife section mm -hmm. and, you know, let him pick his own books. And I mean, I was reading adult novels like soon, mm -hmm. quickly after uh, J.A. Hunter. But I remember mm -hmm. reading uh, grade five. I was sent to detention so many times. I read J.A. Hunter three times in a row. Mm -hmm. uh, by Hunter, by J.A. Yeah, Hunter. Got it in the other room. And actually, in, in, the, uh, in our museum here, I have a first edition nice. of J.A. Hunter's book, Hunter, the one that started me yeah. on this whole outdoor wow. 
wild career um, signed by J.A. Hunter and, and given, you know, dedicated to Jack O'Connor. Wow. And it's from Jack O'Connor's library. No so I've got that kidding. here in the museum, you know, a book that was so like, this is the power of, of books. So, you know, you're, you're asking me which parts of this J.A. Hunter, the child's mm. name Hunter, the fact that I read Hunter, you know, J.A. Hunter's mm. book when I was that age and couldn't read. And yet mm. I could read at a level, you know, almost university level at that age, but not interested in what they were teaching. I mean, they, these are, that's really close to home stuff. Mm. Um, things like Eva Mendel Miller, I mentioned her in the Mendel Art Gallery in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. I have, well, while I was writing this, uh, I, I was, you know, I researched, you were researching, and I was researching Eva Mendel Miller. One of her paintings came out. She was trained by Hoffman. She's, you know, from, you know, Germany originally escaped the, the Second World War with her family. They started the Mendel Art Gallery, very mm. wealthy family, one of Canada's top art galleries. And she was also an artist, uh, you know, well-trained not sought after because she never sold her paintings. But as I was re researching this, one came up during COVID in a local auction that you weren't allowed to go see, you you know, and people were the world's ending, the world's ending. So so I there's an Eva Mendel painting here in the museum. No, and it only came about because I was writing about Eva Mendel Miller and just happened to Google Eva Mendel Miller that day when the auction came up. Wow. And I bought it online without ever seeing it. You know th things like that. The, the the novel is filled mm -hmm. with serendipity. It is. You know the, uh, you know, the um, I mean all parts of it. Goldie Hawn, all those. And I'll, I'm going to read this part just for people that are wondering what we're talking about. Um, I'll read this part from the the preface here, and uh, you're kind of explaining the the book, what's ahead, setting the stage. But right here, you're like, ask Goldie Hawn if what is written about her in Call Me Hunter is true. She will remember the old world operative Icarus. But of course, like the others, she will know him by a different name. And yes, she does have a cute giggle. Like all sorts of things like that throughout. There'll be names people know that are household names and names that you're like, hmm, I'm not, does that sound like somebody familiar maybe? Uh, and then others that will probably go over people's heads. Uh, and so you can read this a bunch of different ways, but that's kind of one of the examples of what we're, uh, we're talking about for those watching or, uh, or listening. Um, and I love how you say this is my story. I mean that figuratively, but also literally. Um, this is pretty cool. Yeah, I'm so glad that this is going to be out there soon. And uh, what, 23rd, or no, 17th of 17th October. 17th of October. Yeah. yeah, 17th of October, but for available for pre-order right now, wherever people get their novels. But uh, so you've had a lot to do this year, obviously. It's been, and what about, like, what did they figure out that you're, health thing was arthritis what was going on there because you, you talked about that on instagram yeah. as well what was going yeah. on with that yeah that was the weirdest thing last, last a year ago in july i i was i mean I, I love golfing that's my exercise i you know cathartic i hit the little white ball around and and uh i i hurt my knee you know and i've had my you know knees you i'm sure you have too adam scoped out before and, and mm -hmm. i figured oh you know here we go again and I tried to put up with it for about a month and I finally called a orthopedic surgeon friend of mine and said, look, you gotta, he said, get here by this afternoon. We'll scope it out. So I did, I played in a, our club championships a, a week later with knee braces on both knees. And, um, a week after that, and I came third in that, by the way, nice. a week after that, 
I all of a sudden my other knee started hurting really badly, and you know, and this knee started hurting, and and then my shoulders and my hips, and then you know, wrists and elbows, and and all, within two weeks, I I literally couldn't get out of a chair. I, I I was I had my wife video, you know, just so I could remember this, and you know, trying to get down four steps. It was the worst pain I've ever been. That, that yeah. pain inflammation number that they talk about. CRP or CPR or something, um, that your should be four is the norm. And mine was 137. At 100, you're incapacitated, basically. You're in pain from inflammation. It's not swelling. It's inflammation, whatever that is. Um, so they thought it was something called polymyalgia rheumatica, some weird PMR thing that you're on. The only thing they know can help it is um, prednisone. So they hit me with huge doses of prednisone, and it went away within three days. I mean, I felt really crappy, but I could at least get up and walk. But then they started testing me for all these exotic diseases because I've been mm. today. Today, I was I did a stress test earlier today, and he, you know this guy's an infectious disease specialist, and he basically because I've been all through the Congo and, and Ghana and Cameroon and Liberia and you know everywhere in West Africa, you know Burkina Faso, all those places. I've been exposed, he said, there's so many viral diseases that are in those places. And we, you know, we don't know. Mm. He said there's hundreds in each country that aren't even identified or they're identified, but they, they have no tests for them. Wow. And he said there's they've proven that there's many that are can cause arthritis uh -huh. or that whatever arthritis is, you know, the yeah. inflammation. inflammation. Um so he he said you know, you, he thinks that I probably picked up something in those travels in those exotic places and it just lays latent until someday when you're, you know, you have a low um, resistance, you know, stress, whatever. And God knows there's been a lot of that in our lives here for the last year and year and a bit. So probably that kicked it off and it's probably that. They don't know. They they still don't know to this day. They, they've got me... Um, doing some biologic infusions. I don't even know the name of it. I was injecting myself in my stomach with methotrexate for months and, you know, still on a handful of pills every morning. It's the most bizarre thing, but I'll slowly wean myself off. I'm back to golf now. Okay. Not not as good. I, I came fourth in our club championships for uh, seniors, not even the whole. <laughs> so, hey. so not as good as, not as good as I once was, but, uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm functioning. I, I, I don't know that I could go, climb a sheep mountain right now mm. but but it's probably not and and you know i know it's not politically correct and nobody can say this stuff but you know we've all been vaccinated or not, not all of us some of us you know up here in canada if we want to see our grandkids we didn't have a choice mm. you know you don't know you nobody out there is smart enough to tell me that this mm. didn't affect this it was mm -hmm. caused by this and these you know three disparate things all of a sudden happening at the same time create you know what i was dealing with for 11 months. I, a, a month ago, I did not think I'd ever be able to golf again. That's how bad it was. I thought, okay, I'm done. I'm, you know, I was doing 12,500 steps a day every single day of the year for years. I, I monitored that. And it had to be 12,500 at least or more, but average 12,500 over the, every day of the year. And I, you know, once I got that, I dropped down to, I mean, literally 500. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's what it was like for 11 months. And then, uh, Suddenly, could lift my left arm up, and you know now I can almost go up this high, you know. So, so it's 
who knows? Maybe it's the drugs. Maybe it's just time. Maybe it's your body finally recalibrating. Um, maybe it's just gone dormant again. Who knows? But yeah, it, it's a weird thing. And I, I've had so many people since. I mean, Lyme's disease. People talk about that and say, "Well, it's you know, you're." And I've been bitten by every single tick and chigger from mm. you know around this world. And I literally get bitten by one of those now, and it's just you know, I swallow it up because I I built up a. Uh, 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 non-resistance to them, whatever that yeah. is. So, so it's hard to say. You know, yeah. a bug bite somewhere thirty years ago. Yeah, don't it, the doctors don't know? Jeez. They don't know. It's it's something they know. They can they can see the problem. They can see the test results, but they can't identify what it is, and they can't pinpoint how to fix it. They mm -hmm. so I mean, it's part of life, right? We we all get to. I'm sure it'll show up in a novel someday. That I'll write when I get around to writing the sequel. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't tell Emily and the Simon and Schuster people that I haven't started on that. Oh, uh, well, your secret safe with me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's just between us. That's just between us. Rooms, yeah. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Oh man. So, and how's uh, how Branlin, Eva? How are they? How's everybody doing? Have you guys gotten together a lot as a family over the last year? I saw and I saw Branlin. Branlin's doing something with uh, the with uh, Cam Haynes. They're doing working on their their thing. I think together. Yeah. And um, so it's been really cool to see you guys, how close you are as a family um, and how open you got, you are with sharing all that is so inspirational uh, for so many people. I mean, you'll never know exactly how many people you've, you've influenced over the, over the years, but in particular this last year, showing your strength and how close you, you all are. How's the, how are the kids doing? They're doing good. You know, I mean, they, they've got their own families. Uh, obviously, Louise is our, you know, center of our universe. So, mm -hmm. so they're, Evie's flying in tomorrow. Brandlin's been here with his family for the last uh, almost month. Actually, tonight, when we're done this podcast, uh, Brandlin is his first command performance. Uh, I saw that you posted I, about I it today. It yeah, yeah. He's he's actually uh, we've set up the like our museum's got a big stage and whatnot. Mm. So he he's going to be on stage performing his original songs. Uh, He's really, really good, and I know I'm I'm his father, so I'm biased. But I, I, honestly, he, his songs are really, really good. He's got a fabulous singing voice. He's a virtuoso on a guitar, mm -hmm. um, and, and yes, it sounds like a proud father. But I'm also a very realistic guy because you have to be. If mm -hmm. you start thinking your, you know, your caca doesn't smell yeah. in the worlds that, that I live in, and you've been there, and far worse. You, it's not re reality is reality whatever it is you deal with reality and if, if you're if my son was a crappy guitarist and a crappy singer i, I would say well you know he's doing his best yeah mm -hmm. uh, but but he really is good i yeah. I, I would be uh, down the road let's let's just let's just see if if he puts his mind to it because that, that's what it'll take he's so talented at everything he's got to pick something and just mm -hmm. do it but uh he's going to be playing for an hour tonight and and uh I, if in in five years, mm -hmm. let's revisit this. Okay, we'll, we'll do another podcast. Perfect. Let's let's just where if if any of Brandlin's songs have have you know done whatever they're supposed to do, yeah. and we'll we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Well, people can go to your Instagram and scroll through and hear some of his uh, him playing the guitar. And uh, I mean, he, he is so so talented with the with video camera, with the with a camera, with with uh, with the, that guitar. And you can you can, they can listen to some of that on your on your Instagram. I wish I was going to be there tonight. That would be amazing to to see that and to say hi to. Her. Please tell them both that I said uh, that I said hello. 
Yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, and Evie's doing good too with her social media. Oh, yeah. Eva and Cole designer products. Um, she's a influencer, you know, whatever that is. So she's uh, got zillions of followers oh, yeah. and sells all this really cool stuff. I oh, actually yeah. like it. You know, the, the things that she that she sells is, is great eye again. Mm. You know, visually her she she gets it when she sees something that's beautiful. She has that that ability to sense it. So she, yeah, she's doing good. Her family's doing great. Tim, yeah. her husband, uh, Tim Brent is, you know, he's killing it in in commercial real estate. Nice. I mean, it, it's such high level stuff. That, yeah, yeah. And they have that many zero kind of project. It's like, uh, you know, that's serious it's business. Out of my league. <laughs> yeah, a, a little house renovation for a hundred thousand is a big giant deal. But, yeah, yeah. You know, he's he's billion dollar projects. Amazing. So he's he's doing really well. Great. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're doing great. Yeah, I love following along. And their house is so beautiful. Uh, and she shared so much of it, the design and building it. And so we were, uh, we ended up at a different spot, but we had picked out a, a or thought we were going to get a lot a couple of years ago. And uh, so I asked her about, uh, hey, what did you guys do? Would you mind sharing those plans with my wife? Or, how, you know, what did you pick out and, and all that stuff? So we ended up moving up a little farther outside of town here. Um, but so we didn't end up doing that but uh she was so nice and kind and was like absolutely you know share everything with you guys and that was just really really cool for her so um yeah you have uh, your your family is inspirational on many different levels uh and i think is it the first shock one of the shock therapies you have Branlin talking about his first hunt i think or one of his first hunts or he's talking about growing up because you have video of him from because you've been doing this for yeah. you for a yeah. while so he was from birth, essentially, yeah, I, right? I, I get I get guys that are in their late forties coming up to me and say, "I watched you when I was a kid," and I go, "No, no, you could <laughs> no, do the numbers." Yeah, they yeah. actually could have. Well, thirty. I mean, I started videoing uh, thirty nine years ago. Wow. So, so that's you know, Brand Brand's been there since day one with a camera shoved in his face. Mm-hmm. But you know, he's taken it to a whole. His his once we were wolves and mm-hmm. yeah, that he produced with Cam Haynes and Kip Falks. I mean, he's he just, he's just really talented, talented young man. And we, yeah, we had him on the, on the, uh, my podcast or it's not, it's not, it's shock therapy as a TV show, mm-hmm. but it's, it's basically a podcast. We just refer back to all the, the old and mm-hmm. day footage. So we were, right. I was dragging out footage of him when he was 10 years old, uh-huh. hiking on, you know, bear hunts and whitetail hunts sitting on stand. He, yeah, he's, uh, he, he's just so, like I say, so talented. He, he took after Louise. Mm-hmm. Him and even I both know that what we have is, is sort of the the street ability and a lot of desire. Those Louise and Branlin have they they somehow are gifted with all the talent. Probably because you know God, the Creator, whoever whoever endows you with this talent, knew that even I would totally abuse it. If we were given that much talent, we'd be insufferable. Oh, you guys, you know, Louise. <laughs> Louise and Bramlin are so nice. Like they're the nicest <laughs> people in the world. And then like, just talent, talent <laughs> oozing out of them, everything they do in, in the arts. Oh, man. So, and brands. Well, yeah, was, we're pretty proud of our family. Yeah. Oh, well, you have reason to be. And I uh, know we touched on it last time, but um, that 39 years ago, starting to film hunts, uh, what was, did you have a, a plan in mind? then when you started about how you wanted to build or what was, and was the first show, was it, what was it called? It wasn't, was it Jim Shockey's hunting adventures yet? Or was it a, sh- a show or was it filmed for a sh- another, like how did that kick off all those years? You know, ago? It, you know, 
I wrote, I wrote my first hunting article. It was 39 years ago. So, and I had the little home videos, but we weren't filming hunts at that point. I wrote mm. my first article. I sold it to Bow Bender magazine up in Canada, Kathleen Windsor. I think I mentioned this last podcast. Mm-hmm. She gave me $42. Yeah. Uh, that started me on my outdoor professional career. Okay. And I, I wrote at least a thousand articles, but as I was watching the magazines and, you know, the, the big heroes and Jack O'Connor, we talked about him earlier. Um, you know, they, they, you know, Jim Zumbo guys, they, they were magazine guys mm. um, and they were famous. Um, but I was, I came up right at that time when, you know, you didn't have to use film cameras, you know, the, whatever they were, mm. you, you can, you could use um, video cameras. So they're big, mm-hmm. ugly VHS cameras, but at least you could film now like right. a TV show. And, and it, you didn't have to have, you could edit it yourself with a little computer programs in those days. And I, and it was about that same time that the cable vision networks were coming on board. Mm-hmm. So they needed content, you know, and, and some of the early, you know, people that jumped on were like Bill Jordan from Realtree mm-hmm. and, and uh, Will Primos from Primos mm-hmm. and, and the Mossy Oak guys, Toxie Haas. Those guys all jumped on the TV programming earlier than me. They were big companies at that point. Well, I went into the hunting and, and so I wasn't marketing a, product i was mm-hmm. actually hunting and guiding outfitting mm-hmm. and i realized that they're going to need a lot more content for all those cable vision networks so mm-hmm. i i said well i'll get the best video camera i can afford and let's video the hunts and uh, hire somebody and then young kids can run the tech stuff and and let's um let's make our own tv shows so so i basically that's what i did i went to the outdoor channel and and uh and at that time, you could buy the airtime, mm. so you, you'd buy positions on okay. the network, and and they you you know, buy commercial space as well, uh, and they you know they'd keep usually four minutes and and give you three minutes, but because I'd been writing, I had sponsors, and so I went to them and said, hey, you guys want a TV show? I'll I'll do a TV show, and I had all access to some of the best hunting in North America in my own outfitting territories because that's. Mm really what I am as an outfitter. Um, and so they, all the sponsors, you know, thank you, every one of you, they uh, jumped on board. Yeah. Loophole has been with me since day one. Wow. And uh, and we started producing you know, Jim Shockey's Hunting Adventures. But I, I produced videos, VHS videos first. I was mm-hmm. on other television shows before that, okay. Bill Jordan's Real Tree Outdoors. Okay. I think my first show that I was on uh, – was on ESPN back oh, in no 80, 1984. Yeah. 84. 19, yeah. Uh, no, hang on. No, I take that. 1991. 91. 1991. Still ESPN 90, in 91 with a hunting show or a segment or something like that. Yeah. yeah I, I was, I was one of the hosts of the show. It was North American, North American hunter or North American outdoors. One, one of those two names. Wow. Uh, that, that was, so I was a co-host on that for, a few episodes and then and then went on TNN with Bill Jordan on the real trail doors. I had a segment on there for home videos because I went to Bill and said, look, everybody's got these little home videos. Huh. There's got to be cool footage out there from of wildlife that, or whatever, something to do that outdoorsmen would be interested mm. in. And he said, yeah, if you can get the footage together. So I started putting feelers out and gathered the footage and we did a segment every week. Um, I can't even remember if we had one or two or three pieces on each week, you know, little video yeah. bits. And then we sold the VHS videos of them. Okay. So, and in those days, you know, VHS videos were selling for $50 each. 
Wow. And that was, if you, you had a VHS machine and that's what we sold gazillions of them. So, oh. so that's by the time I had my own TV show on air, 2001, uh-huh. Jim Shockey's hunting adventures, I'd already been producing videos. Well, mm-hmm. we didn't call them video VHS videos yeah. back then. And then now they're CDs or whatever. CDs, I don't even know what they're called. <laughs> or even if they're selling. DVDs are streaming. Probably they're all streaming now. Every now and again, you catch some. There's still some DVDs out there. But uh, yeah, obviously yeah. not what they, not, not as many DVDs as there were 10 years ago, certainly. The Eight Sleep Mattress Cover. As soon as I lay down on the Eight Sleep Pod Cover, it's a high-tech mattress cover that regulates sleeping temperature via an app. I knew it was something special. It comes in this box right here directly to your door. The Eight Sleep Pod Cover is an intelligent cooling and heating system designed for any bed. It dynamically heats and cools throughout the night to help you sleep better. Sleep as cold as 55 degrees Fahrenheit or as warm as 110. It has personalization features that lets you set a temperature, choose wake up and sleep times, and more. The pod cover fits on any bed like a fitted sheet and will improve your sleep by automatically adjusting the temperature on each side of the bed based on you and your partner's individual needs. This product truly provides the ultimate sleep experience. Invest in the rest you deserve with the 8 Sleep Pod. Go to 8sleep.com slash dangerclose and save $150 on the pod cover by 8sleep. 8sleep currently ships within the USA, Canada, the UK, select countries in the EU and Australia. That's 8sleep.com slash dangerclose to save $150 on the pod cover by 8sleep. Um, what did you learn over those? What lessons did you take? I guess, it seems like a pretty good on-ramp from early days on a couple other shows selling the VHS tapes to your own show um, because your stuff there's a reason that it won all those outdoor awards uh, over the years. Uh, Jim Shockey's Hunting Adventures, The Professionals, uh, now Shock Therapy. Um, I mean, there's there's a reason that you were a, a cut above the other shows that were out there. Uh, and do you think that, that ramp up uh, from starting with uh, the way you did, instead of just hopping right in and trying to figure it out, it seems like you had a good kind of on-ramp learning as this, uh, as the Outdoor Channel and these other shows, uh, these other cable networks came online. It seems like you had a good foundation anyway. Yeah, you, you know, it, it's it's not the storytelling. It, when the ramp up for being on camera, being in front of the camera, yeah, you probably, I mean, mm-hmm. my first one, hi, I'm Jim Shockey. <laughs> Yeah. a good day like horrible but but you learn that quickly yeah. you know how to get your up and down when you're talking but the storytelling and that's what television is that's writing it always comes back to the writing so i have absolutely no doubt you could do television oh wait you did you know i mean this is it's the, the ability to tell a story and you have to be able to write to be able to tell a story now whether you're doing it a in a manuscript or or what do they call the ones that you use for movies screenplays script or mm-hmm. script screenplay screenplay mm-hmm. yeah so it, it doesn't matter it's it's all storytelling and and visual what do you what do you see and how do you describe that mm-hmm. and it's the exact same thing with a camera except i don't have to write about what's on my background because you can see it mm-hmm. 
But if you're writing a story, you have to tell about it. But just being able to talk about the background or show the background doesn't tell a story. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to tell a story. And the the 1,000 articles that I published before I ever published my Mm -hmm. first television show, that's the ramp up. Mm -hmm. You know, being able to to catch somebody in in a, you know, 1,500 words, a story, you know, take them to a faraway place, entertain them for whatever amount of time it took, and then out. Mm -hmm. And, and, Photography is part of that, so that's the visual side of it, you know. And it's not, it's not um, moving images; it's still images, but still, it's you're capturing that moment. So you've got to also have that eye, um, as a, a, the eye of a photographer, and the ability to tell a story like a writer. Yeah. So everything else, for television, it's all predicated on your ability to do those two things. Right. But storytelling, storytelling, storytelling—it it comes down to a terminal list. Are you kidding me? I sat through that every episode. Oh, like, thank you. I I, I binge watched. Oh, like, nice. Horrible. I, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're welcome. You know how many bags of chips I went through? <laughs> like, it was, awesome. Oh, I love it, to hear it. <laughs> it was so cool. And, and uh, you know, all me and my buddies, you know, we, we, oh, what you, which one are you on? We're like, nice. That's because you've, you've transported us. Mark Solomon said that uh, when he read the manuscript, or he actually read Mark Sullivan, uh, you know, best-selling author. That's another segue story I'll tell real quick. I might have told in the last one, but um, Mark Sullivan said that that's what my manuscript did. Uh-huh. He, and he he texted me from Adu Babi or somewhere. You know, he was on you know on an in between airplanes. Okay. And he and he was reading. He said, "I put it onto my cell phone so I can finish." He said, "You've transported me," mm-hmm. and that is the the critical need of a must of a novel for it for it to be any good and and so that was a huge hit. and and i'll just go back now to tell the story about mark sullivan we were at shot show 93 maybe i'm, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think and and he was there and, and we met each other i think uh general chuck yeager was right there with wow. us too he actually asked louise if uh she wanted to go meet him in his room it was, <laughs> it was hilarious i put wow. this I probably said this last time. I said, General Chuck, you're just a dirty old man. He just <laughs> laughed. And you know, wow. he was doing it out of that's his way of paying respect to Louise yeah. and, and how beautiful she was. But uh, Mark and I were blabbering. He told me that he'd just written a novel, Purification Ceremony. Mm-hmm. And he was, and, and I've always wanted to be a novelist since I was 10 years old. I wanted to do this museum and I wanted to be a novelist. But truly, I started when I was 10. Um, horrible because I had no story to tell and I could, bear, you know, I knew how to read by then, but I couldn't. Yeah, I, I didn't have a story to tell. Um, so it's always been something I wanted to do. And he told me that he'd written Purification Ceremony. I was like over the moon excited for him. Just, wow, you know, I'm totally envious and so proud of you. And and I, because it's a huge, big deal like to be able to write that. And now Mark Sullivan, of course, is New York Times number one bestsellers, as you are. Um I lost track of him for a little while. He wrote wrote with uh, James Patterson for a while. Mm. You know, he Mercedes, Mr. Mercedes, all those books. Mm. Those were his uh, fabulous writer, great great writer. But um, he was he was started in the industry the same time as I did. I went into the television side. Okay, not and I didn't think I had a story to tell, which all brings me around to when. You and I were standing, I think, at the Congressional Sportsman. That's right. I think that's where it was. That's where it was. Yeah, and, and Dallas Safari Club. Yeah, it was amazing. Like yeah. you're a novelist, and and again, you know, for the second time in my life, I was standing beside a novelist. It's 
from our world. You know, our world is, is different than uh, than the other world that most people live in and the big cities and whatnot. And it was so cool. You know, I think you were there when Chris, or I was there when Chris Pratt called you. Yep. You're right, right there. Yeah, you're right there. So it was early January of 2018. So the book wasn't even out yet. And uh, we were talking about how it's coming out and you were asking me some questions. And then I got the call that uh, said he wants it. He wants to, Chris Pratt wants to option this thing. And he was the one person that I wanted to star as James Reese, my protagonist. So yeah, you were, you were right there when I got the call. I'm like, oh, excuse me. And, uh, and went outside and, and yeah, uh, right there in the hallway there at Dallas Safari Club and, and, uh, and did that. So that was, that was cool that, that you were right there when I got that call. It'll always be special to me. Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, I, I, like I say, that was a dream of mine from when I was 10 years old. And here, you know, like Mark and you, uh, now, you know, it, it's, it, it, and hopefully, I'm I'm waiting for my I got my cell phone right here in case Crit's going to give me a call. Hey, yeah, option. You never know, Hunter, but uh, you never know. Yeah, Someone yeah. should. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's what's great about getting it out there and getting the word out of there and getting these different people to to read it and get interested in it and get blown away by it and then think about uh, what they could do telling it through a different medium on television or on in film on a, in a movie and it's uh yeah and I love what Mark said about it's transporting him. That's a that's a um, that's the perfect way to uh, to put it, and uh, it certainly it certainly does that. And very interesting about the storytelling because your shows over the years really stand out as having a story and telling them in a way that's engaging and does transport people into the backcountry all around the world. And uh, and that's why you and your family were on stage at the Golden Moose Awards year after year after year, accepting all these awards. Uh, and that was, those were fun years too. I'll say. I don't know. Everything's turned into one long day for me, but probably probably over to, over a decade now. When we used to do them at the uh, along with Shot Show at the Golden Moose Awards for Outdoor Channel at um, uh, before they moved it over to the Venetian when it was at Hard Rock, and they had that the bands Hard down Rock. below. We had the tables right there, the couple tiers up there with the different bars and the private yep. areas and all that. Like that was a really cool venue and a really special time um, for for the outdoor industry, I think. Um, and we had people that had been downrange Iraq and Afghanistan that are that are getting invited to these things and and meeting people in the outdoor industry and uh, other people in the tactical industry as well. And it was just a really tight knit community because uh, a lot of these companies, yes, they're there to sell a product and, and that sort of a thing. Um, but a lot of them can't do that without the freedom to do so without this natural rights that are enshrined in this country in, uh, in the constitution, uh, the bill of rights. Um, speaking of didn't, did Canada recently pass some more restrictive gun control measures? Is that, you, you had to ruin a good day. You, I'm, you sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I only bring it up. <laughs> I only bring it up because I knew a couple of years ago you were dabbling in some politics. Yeah, you know, and I still, you know, that's that's out there as a possibility. And 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 the reason is, and I'm you know talking about running for federal government. So I don't know what you guys would call it a congressman or, or something mm -hmm. like that. Uh, we we call it an MP, a member of parliament, federal member of parliament, because if you don't stand up and and you know. Take the heat. I mean, who wants it? You you mm -hmm. you watch good people that try and put their hand in in a and they just get lambasted. Their lives yeah. get destroyed and dissected. And you know, but but eventually you just can't keep saying, okay, no, I don't. I, you know, I I just I got enough money in my life. I can live like I want. You have to, you have to stand up 
you just have to. And and if it takes a heat, and for me, well, you know, what are you going to do? Send me home? You, you know, I've been there, done that. You're not, you're not going to affect me. Mm-hmm. You, I don't need this job. In fact, I don't even want the money. Even our museum, we're donating the entire thing, land building contents mm-hmm. and an endowment to cover expenses for 40 years. Wow. We're giving it all away. So I don't need the money. And and that I think is, is part of the problem with what we have going on right now is uh politician has become a career mm-hmm. and and what did they actually produce no their their whole right. job is to just get reelected, and and that doesn't mean they stand for anything mm-hmm. they just go with this way with the wind this and sometimes you have to say you know this cod liver oil pill tastes like crap mm-hmm. but it's good for you and i mean my grandmother knew that she lived to be 99 and my mother lived to be 89 you know we we need to sometimes swallow bitter pills and mm-hmm. someone has to be uh, strong enough and not be afraid of what they might lose in, in terms of the next election to say, no, this is the right thing to do. And, and you know, our country up here is being run by um, a, a young man that, that you know, he, he, he there's, quote, you know, there's video of him saying that, you know, the, the hunters and, and, ranchers they use firearms and firearms should never be taken away from them you know this is before he was elected now to get reelected again and cater and pander to the the urban voters you know he, he's totally switched well what did you stand for what did you actually who are you and you're leading me leading my family leading this country mm-hmm. and and you what do you stand for you, you don't stand for anything i don't even know who i'm voting for if i vote for you because you're just going to vote for you you're going to stand for whatever gets you reelected, and and that's why the politics has entered. I, you know, I've been asked. I, I don't know that I wouldn't be, you know, considered a nightmare to the whatever party that would, you know, I'd be trying to run for a nomination because, you know, I've I've got a a past that includes hunting, and hunting today is is um, you know where hunters are marginalized and vilified in the popular mainstream media. So you put somebody out there that's got this past that I have. What party is willing to stand up mm. and say, "Yeah, no, but he's you know he's the one, he's the best choice for that constituency." So it, it may never happen. Maybe I've got to create an independent party. I don't know, or somebody will come up with a new party of you know, common sense party would be nice. Mm. But but I do think that um, with with what's going on up in our country up here in Canada, that you know we 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 don't have a leader. We, we've got we've got a prime minister, but we do not have a leader. And we haven't had our, you know, the prime minister before him was pretty good, mm. Stephen Harper, um, just not as charismatic as as what, you know, this young man is a, mm. that's our our leader or no mm. our prime minister now. So so he's he yes. Back to your question, they they have passed this bill twenty one. I think they call it. I don't know. I I had to speak in front of the committee for for public safety and national security. And it's about this C-21 bill where they're trying to ban. They they were banning my bolt action Weatherby 460. They were banning my double, side-by-side double 600 Nitro Express. And quote, unquote, from our prime minister, uh, these this law or this C-21 is designed to remove, or, or no, that's right, these weapons are designed to kill the maximum amount of people in the minimum amount of time. 
And that's why he's banning these. Well, it's my side-by-side 600 Nitro Express. It's never killed anybody, at least maybe at the kick end it has, but not <laughs> not at the front bullet side. You know, at bolt action, 460 Weatherby, the cartridges cost $40 each. No one's going to use that in a crime, and nor would they. It's too heavy to use anyway. So the 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 laws that they're, you know, little things that are already in place in our country, like uh, a 32 uh, handgun is banned. Well, why is it banned? Because they they could, they couldn't ban a 22 rimfire, which is a smaller caliber. They couldn't ban a 38, which is a bigger, more powerful handgun. But they could ban the 32 because very few people had them, so there wasn't enough of an outcry uh, for them to take notice or for those people to get noticed. So that's what they've done. They they're slowly but surely banning every little thing. My air gun was banned. An air gun, like how really? do you ban? It shoots pellets. What are How you supposed you to do? That? Nothing. Are, are these things grandfathered in if you already have them or you have to go down and register or turn nope. them in or once, what is? Nope. Once, once they're prohibited, they're banned. I don't even know how you take things like that. You know, you, I, mine, I just sent south. You know, once this, you had two year period oh. where you could deal with them. But uh, once, once the law is in effect, a prohibited weapon is a prohibited weapon. You're not allowed to possess it. I mean, it, it's a, a felony, I guess is what they they would charge you with. So, Jeez. so these are, th- this is where the, the state of our governance is in yeah. terms of firearms. Um, and, and that same wishy-washy uh, pandering, you know, genuflecting to the urban majority, um, th- you know, that, that's, you know, that many, many, many of their decisions are being made that way. Not what's best for the country and best for the people that you're supposed to be governing, but, best for you to get reelected. And and so back to your second part of your question, that's why I think good people eventually have to stand up. It may be unrealistic of, of me, uh, idealistic, like I say, there's probably no party would even want me to run with them or for them because, uh, because I come with baggage. You know, they didn't want that. And that, you know, the mainstream media is going to jump all over that. I'm a mm-hmm. hunter. I live a field to table lifestyle. Yes, I'm going to go kill a moose this fall, hopefully. Yes, I'm going to kill it. And, you know, just because I don't hire someone else to kill that cow that you're eating, mm-hmm. you know, that makes me a bad person because I want to know, I want to butcher it up myself. I want to know that it's, you know, lived a life that's, you know, and, and, and no, nothing against ranchers. I think it's great because there's too many people mm-hmm. in this world that can't all hunt. Ultimately, that's probably what's going to save hunting is it'll, it'll become, you know, cool to be a hunter but they have to limit the number of hunters mm. then everybody's going to want to be a hunter it's uh, world's world's is what it is it, yeah. history repeats itself over and over and over again Man. but yeah we we've got we've got some serious issues up here in terms of firearm because yeah. of our our prime minister and his his ilk what uh, what's the timeline like? Isn't it? And last time we talked about this, I think there was uh, maybe an election coming up or something. But you have a time like you have. It's a, I forget exactly what it was. But do you now have a a year where you're going to have to decide something by if you want to run four years out, three years out, two years out, something like that? No. They, well, yes and no. They they ours are a little different than yours. They they can go for five years. Mm-hmm. Our prime minister is in right now, not with the majority of the people voted for. Not even close. I could be wrong, but it's somewhere around 30% of the people mm. voted for him. That's it. Um, he's got a coalition government with our NDP, New Democratic Party, which is a fairly left-wing mm. uh, leaning 
party. So so they're that's how they're, he's maintaining in power is he's uh, the NDP is supporting it. So mm. they're voting in line in lockstep with with the liberals. Mm. But so he can stay in power for five years. And unlike your government, where you're not supposed to run more than two years or two terms, here he can run as many times as he, he can be. Prime, mm. His dad was prime minister for mm. four terms, I believe. Wow. Um, so, so you generally a coalition government like that will fall apart within two years. They've already gone two years and they're into their third year now, mm-hmm. and the NDP are going to get their tails whipped. So they really don't want to lose what power they have right now because they can wag the liberal dog, and he he wags easily. You know, mm. just grab onto his tail and just swing him around. So it's hard to say if there's going to be an election in the next, you know, year, two years now, maybe even three years down the road. Uh, we that mm. last one was two years ago, and that's when they talked to me about it. I, I was writing my novel. I was writing Call Me Hunter, and I, that was my kind of excuse. Mm-hmm. And out was that I had to do that. And mm-hmm. if, until that was all done, I couldn't really countenance something else. Now, mm-hmm. my excuse this time will be, well, Call Me Hunter is doing so well that I have to write the sequel. There you go. You know, Call Me Hunter, I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to be like John Grisham where I, I'll write a sequel if there's, you know, everybody goes, ah, I'm not going to read this. You know, yeah. but, oh, People are going to read it. People are going to read this. There's going to be a significant amount of uh, word of mouth surrounding this novel because it is so so good um and different and unique and it's it's just yeah there'll be a lot of people talking about this when it hits uh shelves this october so that'll be uh amazing what are the effects of of, was it two years now three years now everything like i said things have turned into one long day with everything going on but uh with the the bear ban that uh out of vancouver and british columbia and most people from the city voted for it how did that that went down some, something along those lines a few years ago. Yeah, the, that, that's yeah, that's grizzly bear. That's a, the grizzly bear hunting was banned here in British Columbia, even though scientifically there's absolutely no basis mm. for that. Uh, our premier of the province, uh, which would be like your governor, mm. he he, um, he said something to the effect of it's it's not because of science; it's because it's socially unacceptable. Mm. And you know, but First Nations people can still hunt them. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's still many grizzly bears being killed for predation reasons mm. by the conservation officers. So it, they didn't, they, and on top of that, you know, the, it's unintended consequences when, yeah. you, you know, grizzly bear studies up in Alaska have shown that the male mature grizzly bear will kill 32, up to 32 calf, moose and caribou every spring, just kills them and eats what parts of life goes, finds another one. Kill, they're easy to kill at that time and easy to find. And, and they just eat the delicacy part of them. Mm. So what we're happening now is the grizzly bears numbers are increasing. And of course, that's an exponential increase. There's no predators. They're mm. apex predators. So what are they eating? Well, they're eating all the ungulates, the moose and the cat. Now they're pulling their hair out. Where's all the caribou gone? It will surprise. You know, where's all the moose gone? Well, gee, you know, it doesn't take a, a genius to realize that managing wildlife populations by social construct is... It doesn't work. It's it's mm. it's detrimental to all the other wildlife. Yes, you might save that iconic species, but it's doing fine anyway. And it's at carrying capacity. And there's so many people now taking the grizzly bear's space. What, what did you think was going to happen? Right. You know, human bear interactions have gone up. So so all these, the, 
The problem is you don't have a um, politician. It, it would be death to a politician, political death, to uh, say, hey, we're reinstating grizzly bear hunting because that was just ridiculous. And, mm -hmm. and this is, you know, people don't want to hear common sense. Mm -hmm. It would be political suicide to do that. So once you ban something, it's very difficult to unban it. Yeah. Yeah, once those rights are, are gone, man. Um, and we mentioned the museum a couple of times, and I wanted to... to ask you it, it's been you've been doing that for a, a while and then do you you both do you go out and seek certain things do you have a like a list of things that you want to find or are people contacting you and say hey we have this uh and we want to give it to you or hey we have this and it's now for sale or how do these how, how have you done this over the years and built the museum up and how can people uh, support it and come come visit well i mean it's it's the hand of man Museum of Natural History, Cultural Arts, and Conservation. It's located on Vancouver Island, about a, an hour north of Victoria, which is the capital of British Columbia. But it, Victoria, the city, is located on Vancouver Island. Mm -hmm. A lot of people think it's Victoria Island. No, it's Victoria is the city. So, so it's and it's an old school. You're, I'm in it right now. This is our edit suite, actually. It's one of the old classrooms. Uh, our kids went to school here. Seventeen thousand square feet, and the the museum i first started oh, i started this museum when i was 10 years old same time i started the novel i i knew that i would have a museum someday mm -hmm. i knew i'd write a novel someday i couldn't write a novel back then because i you know i didn't have the skills didn't have hadn't lived life yet but mm -hmm. but for this museum i could start to collect I, my first seashell that i ever collected is here it's a conch shell the uh, local church was did an offer if you brought five friends to Sunday school, you'd get a conch shell. You know, uh -huh. now a conch shell in Saskatchewan, Canada is like, that's okay. like finding a Trinosaurus rex skeleton. Yeah. I mean, it's just, they just didn't exist when I was a kid. So I, I got my uh, five friends, went to Sunday school, got my conch shell. It's still in the museum. So that was the start of it. Fishing lures I could find in the river at low water. Mm. Guys lost them are still out of my dad's and grandfather's tackle box. I you know caught back out of insects and pinned them, mm. um, pretty rocks. You know those were all things that were free. I lived in a trailer park back then. We had no money, so so I could. It was pie in the sky, but I could get National Geographic. Mm. At that point, I was you know dad was and mom were taking me to the, the library all the time now because mm. their kid actually could read. So I could get National Geographic and I could. I'm going to go there. I'm going to go there. I'm going to gather this. I want to get that. I want to see that. I want to you know I want to do all this. Mm -hmm. And and so I basically charted a course for my life to do this museum and and as as you travel you know samuel clemens says uh, paraphrase death of ignorance you know you it opens your mind and, and i'd see things that i hadn't thought about before mm -hmm. that wow you know but this thing whatever it is this object speaks to me and this is what call me hunter is about it's that sense of beauty that you, you it's not something you see, it's something you feel. So in all of my travels, and I was 306 days a year on the road mm. for 20 years and over 200 days a year on the road before that, my eyes were always eyes. My senses were always open to that feeling. Oh, that there's some that thing right there. Mm -hmm. That's something that whatever reason, it was, maybe it was a hand-carved mask in, in Liberia that you know was carved for ceremonial purposes or or maybe you know spiritual maybe it was just love for somebody maybe it was 
out of uh, a need to produce art. Mm -hmm. But whatever that is, I, I would feel it, recognize it, and if I could purchase it, purchase it, then I had to go through the process of export mm -hmm. and import, mm -hmm. which, which you know, I, I say half this gray hair is from our daughter and the other half is from export-import. <laughs> uh, over, over, I had a full-time person for 25 years doing just that to get wow. do all the paperwork, dot the I's, T's, mm -hmm. make sure all the you know, it's all submitted in time and the proper forms. And they would last about three, four years, and then they'd burn out. Just the yeah. mind-numbingness of it all, oh. the bureaucracy, the predatory bureaucracy, you know, hundred another hundred dollars because you forgot to, you know, sign in black. Uh -huh. Well, now you have to resubmit it, blah, blah, blah. So, mm -hmm. so I, a lot of people saw the television shows, Uncharted, mm -hmm. where we traveled around the world, the professionals, mm -hmm. even hunting adventures. And, and hunting was in the conservation was the the story behind it but what i was there doing was actually looking for the art um, of those countries whether it was tribal art or, mm. or primitive art or you know the, whatever whatever struck my fancy in, mm -hmm. in that regard and i i brought it all back i mean there's a wedding blanket from irkutsk in siberia mm -hmm. you know it's beaded a full-size blanket beaded every inch is beaded because I, I found it in Irkutsk at a market, mm. you know, so that I brought back and it, it's folk art, this whole museum, hand of man, everything in here is, is handmade. Even the taxidermy yeah. was, is artistry by, by man. We, we mm. killed the animals, you know, we skinned them. We, this is all hand, the fossils were dug, the, you know, articulated, we, which we do a lot of the articulation here, the welding and whatnot, but you know, everything in this museum has spoken to me. And, and now it's 17,000 square feet, absolutely packed. You can Google it, call me, or call me Hunter. I'm so used to saying Google, call me Hunter. Yeah, yeah, but uh, do that Google too. Hand, yeah, but you Google Hand of Man Museum mm -hmm. and you'll see the reviews. I mean, it, people, for me to get to this room in our museum, there, you know, there's probably 200 people in the museum today. Nice. I had to walk down the hallway, the main hallway, and it, Kids, kids love it because it's iPads, two to three minute story, with not big write ups they have to read, but yeah. a little number. And they just touch it on the iPad, and there's a visual. Okay, you know, I, I've narrated these, and here's visuals to go along with this, and we tell a two to three minute story, and you're on to the next piece. Kids love it. Mm -hmm. They they bring their classrooms, two to four classrooms a week come by, and then on the weekend the kids all come back with their parents. And the parents are in shock. Like our, our kids want to see a museum and want us to come to a museum on a weekend. And then when they walk in and they see what it's about, mm -hmm. because it's packed, it's full of everything that fascinated me through my entire life. So I'm wow. 65, 55 years of, of focus on this goal. And, and this is a result wow. is uh, our hand in man museum. We've got national newspaper articles on it. And you know what? It's there's, I mean, 200 full body mounts in here, skulls and skeletons of all kinds of creatures and animals. There's, you know, there's full size skeletons of dinosaurs too, and woolly mammoths and woolly rhinos. But there's no protesting of it. Read the reviews. You get one person out of a thousand that just, of course, ideologically, right. it doesn't fit. It's cognitive dissonance. They go, mm -hmm. makes their head explode. So they got to fight it and hate it mm -hmm. rather than, well, maybe, maybe there's another way to look at my, my perspective should change. So they, you know, but the vast majority of the people love it. The kids love it. The, and, and 
there's dead animals, but there's, you know, the conservation is the education component of it. And they start, you know, they, they come out and say, oh, I didn't know that. You know, I didn't know that about lions. You kill the one lion and the village gets $100,000 and that way they'll buy all the sheep and goats and cows that that lion killed. You know, so they can replace them and they still get a new school and new roads and, mm-hmm. they, you know, they, they can pay the the town councillors or whatever they have. So, so they, you know, or, or they don't get any money for that lion. It kills the goat and sheep. So they kill the whole pride and the, the lions are gone. Mm-hmm. Gone, extirpated from gone, gone, gone. So, so people learn that, and they it gives them another chance to learn something new that the mainstream media is, you know, again, bad news sells for two dollars, good news sells for one dollar. So they always take the worst point of view they can possibly take about yeah. any topic. And hunters, of course, we get the brunt of it. Yeah. So this museum allows people to see both sides. And yeah, it's it's been we had over twenty six thousand visitors last year. Um, We'll hit thirty thousand this year, and and uh, like I say, we're giving it all away to a foundation, so it'll be here for forty years. We'll cover expenses with an endowment. Incredible. We can, so we should. Amazing, amazing. I see behind you, SCI in the background, Safari Club International. They had the they moved from uh, well, it was Vegas and then Reno, and then now it's Nashville. And I missed it this year. I was just too busy writing. Uh, hope to get there this coming year, but we'll we'll see. But I heard they had a great. Great show there. Um, I always look forward to going to SHOT Show or DSC or SCI so I can see see you. Um, so really hoping to get to, to Nashville this year. Also behind you, got a little Hornady behind you. Loophole we talked about earlier. Christensen oh, yeah. Arms. I have my first two Christensen yep. Arms rifles in the safe behind me here, in the Fort Knox safe behind me. Oh, good, yeah. And uh, so I'm gonna, I, don't, I don't have optics on them yet, but I'm going to uh, get those set up, I think, in the next week or two. So get those uh, set up and, and sighted in. But uh, they're they're nice just looking at them and running the, running the action and – those, uh, those things are nice. And how long have you been using Christensen Arms? I think about five years now. Yeah. And and I had, you know, I, I was with Nosler before. And Nosler, you know, they the they produced a, a gun. And, you know, I used it. And I don't know what happened, but, but the, you know, they sort of have fallen off the radar. So mm. at that point, I was free to choose. Because Nosler, I kind of it came along with their bullets because I was using their bullets for mm. years before that. And and then um, when I looked at all the guns out in the marketplace, I chose Christensen Arms because I like the gun. I love it. I mean, that's yeah. I'll be I have it in my hands here, and yeah. on the thirty first of this month, you know, God willing, that I can get up to our Yukon area, I'll have my Christensen Arms. Uh, you know, just be at home. And and I'm shooting Nosler, or I'm shooting uh, Hornady now. They're mm-hmm. fabulous. I mean, oh yeah, Steve and yeah, those that whole crew is is. Uh, they're just such great people, and I, I've known them for yeah. forty years. I could have gone either way back in the day, and and eventually we, things end up like they should. And mm-hmm. I'm with Hornady now, yeah. Bass Pro, Cabela, Johnny Morris actually, and John Paul Morris will be coming up uh, nice. to my personal camp in the Yukon uh, on, you know, in September. I won't give exact dates, nice. but wonderful. But they'll be up there in, in my camp. Yeah, cool. yeah. It's it's just good people in our industry, yeah. and to, to get together at SCI's national convention every year mm-hmm. the uh, shot show is pretty big eh? like that for me that when you were talking about the days mm-hmm. I, I mean i remember shot show back 84 wow i mean it, it was it was a lot mostly hunting eh? like oh, yeah. it was just and then you know now it, it's such a massive show yeah. people that haven't been i mean it it's it's shocking i mean mm-hmm. it, what used to be seven miles 
if you walked up and down each aisle. I don't even know what it would be now because oh, there's I don't know. many level floors yeah. and yeah, yeah it's impossible it's, to see it's, everything. And it's uh but I think my no. first one was even in even after the wars kicked off, uh, I think my first one I want to say was two thousand three, maybe. Anyway, right in there. It was still at that time a lot of hunting and fishing. And there was a room that was a large room, but certainly yeah. not what it is today, that was tactical. And then I think the next year I went yeah. back, let's say by two thousand four or five, then oh then it was yeah. certainly yeah. tactical focus. Yeah. yeah, it exploded. Uh, and, you know, a lot of companies have uh, a hand in, in both worlds, and it's just a, a great place to, uh, to to meet people and to build these, you know, genuine relationships because you are there for re- preserving these rights for the next generation. So it's more than just, you know, going to, I don't know, uh, let's say nothing against consumer electronics show, but um, okay, fine. But you're preserving something that is so primal to our species and you're preserving that for future generations. Uh, so there's just something different about that, I think, than, than other communities that are out there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're all kindred spirits. And, mm-hmm. and I, I just can't believe that the vast majority of people out there don't believe the same things that we do. Somehow we, we've been separated. You know, there's... Mm-hmm. Well, you're this and you're that, but yeah. but it, we all stand for the same things. We just maybe the people that, well, you, you know, you go produ- protect those rights. I mean that that's what you did, and that that show is a, is filled with people like that, yeah. and and so you're like I say, kindred spirits. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter which side of the spectrum you're on in terms of the outdoors or mm-hmm. whether it's tactical. You, you, we all feel the same way. We have the same beliefs. We we know that freedom. Well, who said that isn't free? Um, And, and, you know, so I I think it's a great melding of two worlds that are really the same world. I just wish the rest of the people that poo-poo that or, or, you know, never the twain shall meet, Mm -hmm. if they would just come and see that, you know, it's not louts that spit on the floor and no higher sensibilities. These are smart, smart people that are, you know, doing good work to make sure that yeah. you can protest or do whatever you're doing. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I think the, the shot shows a, it's an amazing, amazing show. It, it speaks to a, a vast audience mm-hmm. and not, not an, and I think a much larger audience that doesn't even know it exists or that world really exists. But if you go there, it, it's impressive. SCI, same thing, mm-hmm. you know, the, for the, hunting. It, it was in Nashville this year. Fantastic. Yeah. Nashville. So I heard it was like the greatest, I mean, the best show they've had in a long time. I heard it was it was such a great show. The people that were there and the the, and the community. I mean, it, Nashville is Nashville. It's a big place, but it's it still feels like it's a community with mm. with a sense of of um, I don't know civic duty and mm. and honor. I, I just it was just good all the way around. I yeah. I called up Laird Hamberlin, uh, one of the top honchos at SCI. After I said, whatever you got to do, you know, like my vote is, you know, buy us out of every contract for whatever other place we have to go in the future. And mm-hmm. Let's stay at Nashville. Yeah, it's, it was so. a great show. Vegas, you know, when Vegas, it was at Vegas, um, it was okay. I mean, yeah. I don't know where you ever at the Outdoor Channel uh, Awards when right beside it the same night was the Porno Awards for. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking industry. about. Never. 
Oh, yeah. yeah. But it, it, they had us the At shot, they, had, at shot they would have that. Yeah. At shot, they would have the okay, Golden Moose Awards. Okay, yeah. Shot. Um, yeah, shot. That's right. It was that shot. Somebody yeah. told me that yeah, anyway. That, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, I mean, it was pretty awkward. We're all, we're all there in black ties. And yeah. So right funny. on the other side of the, you know, pretty flimsy curtain. There was all the porno uh, people going by. Oh, gosh. But, yeah, but I mean, crazy. Vegas, that's Vegas, right? That's yeah. Vegas. You don't have that problem in uh, in Nashville. Yeah. In Nashville is just a good, I, I homey. I, I like it. I, I, you know, everybody in Nashville. I'm, I mean, I'm I'm going to have to start getting serious about liking Nashville music now after after spending so much time there. Yeah, no, it's great. I mean, they had the uh, what NRA was there a few. Well, gosh, it's probably a decade now. I don't. I, I like I said, everything's blending. But uh, when it was in Reno for SEI, I spoke at a couple different events, and uh, it was just so spread out in Reno. Like I didn't. I don't think I got the hotel in time, so I was twenty minutes away somewhere. And it was uh, so Vegas was good in that you could stay at three hotels connected to yeah. the facility right yeah. there, so you could just you didn't have to go anywhere else. You could be right there and uh nashville similar that the way that was set up they uh they have a, they did a really good job i think bringing conventions to that city all close by you can walk to the bars and restaurants and the whole the whole thing they did a good job with that so hopefully i'm gonna get there this year with my wife and our youngest who uh by that time will be 13 and uh he's been to been to africa uh he's been uh to lanai of course and uh, uh texas so i'd like to like to get him out to to SEI to wander up and down those aisles and and uh, meet some of the some of the people that uh, that I've gotten the, the privilege to to know over the years. So um, if I'm done with this book and we're not filming the origin story prequel series with Taylor Kitsch somewhere um, because of the writer strike, uh, then I'll be in Nashville. But um, we'll see. We'll see. Hey everyone, Andy Stump here, the host ironclad original change agents podcast in addition to producing podcasts like change agents danger close with jack Carr, oil and whiskey with roadster shop and others ironclad also works with some of the world's biggest brands like mechanics wear under armor the navy seal foundation anthem and a ton of others to create industry leading custom film series commercials podcasts and more we can also get your message in front of an audience of millions by placing it on podcasts and series just like this one. To check out more about Ironclad and see how they can help you elevate your company, brand, or business, check out thisisironclad.com. Thisisironclad.com. Well, hopefully, hopefully, together we got to get together with John Dubin. Yes. Go, go for sushi or something. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. JD is on yeah. Lanai right now. I was just texting him, uh, I guess it was last night and you know, the, the fires are right there on Maui. The, when we're recording this, you know, this, this podcast will drop in October the same week that the, the book comes out. But as we're recording it right now in August, Maui's having the, the fires and the total just so devastating. Uh, so he's over there right now on Lanai and can, can see that, can smell the smoke and um, yeah, I'll debrief yeah. with him a little more uh, this evening, but um, yeah, he's what a good dude. And uh, Pineapple Brothers Lanai is uh, rocking and rolling out there. And I know I'm so glad you and the, your family got to, got to go out and, and experience that and have Tex, I think Tex, the, uh, the chef from Nobu came up and made yeah. some things for you guys and brought some wine and yeah, all that. Can, so. Yeah, so it was so good. I mean, he came right, to our place there the, yeah. and and chefed i mean it, yeah. it, it, that was the first one so sovi sovi oh, yeah. Yeah. i'm not a chef i mean, had can of beans and a 
and a wiener, and that's about what I'm. <laughs> yeah, my capabilities, but right. but it was so good. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, he's still there. We'll get back there someday. I mean, it's been it well, COVID hit, and yeah. then you know it's been rough for us mm-hmm. for this last yeah. almost two years now. So so we haven't been doing a lot of traveling, yeah, yeah. but but hopefully, you know, God willing, in the future we'll be back down there as a family. I loved it. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 Special spot. One of these days we'll have to get we have to get together on a hunt. I know, I know. I need to. We talked about getting to to Vancouver, and then everything got all you know. Um, But uh, I need to. We'll we'll make it happen. We have to. We have to make it happen. It'd be very unnatural not to do something together like that. I can't believe we haven't. Yeah, but I mean, look at look what has gone on in your life. Like even for you to spend this much time on a podcast, you know, you're probably going right to the next thing right after. (laughs) That's how it goes these days. Really. And, and I, I know we've been blabbering about me this whole time. I had a zillion questions long ago. So I want to, <laughs> I want to hear like all your stuff. Like I, I got to get you on my show. So Let's at least I can ask, I don't, I know my stuff already. I don't want to know about that. I want to know about your stuff. Like who gets to do that? You wrote out of your head a novel that got turned into a series and, and with one of the biggest actors around and you got to hang with all these, I got a billion questions I want to know. Like who that, that's, that's just super cool. But I mean, obviously you're on other podcasts and talking about you and I appreciate your, you know, blabbering about me here today, but uh, gosh, I want to hear your stuff. Like, Oh man, it's how been cool a, is Chris. Oh, he's awesome. Actually, we just uh, had a, we were on the phone for about an hour yesterday together, just talking about uh, strategizing on the way ahead. Cause the writer strike really has put us behind on this, uh, this next show, this origin story for the Ben Edwards character played by Taylor Kitsch. And we got the first five of the seven scripts done right before the writer strike, about a minute before the writer strike hit at midnight, we sent those five scripts in. And, uh, so two more to write once the, uh, writer strike is over, but everything keeps creeping to the right here. And so by the time this podcast drops, hopefully the writer strike will be over and they will have uh, resolved some of these issues, but they're big issues that they're dealing with out there for those writers in, in Hollywood right now, uh, both the streaming side of the house and artificial intelligence side of the house. And, uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll see, but, uh, but Chris is fantastic and I, I can't say enough good things about him. Uh, he's, he's a guy's guy and somebody you want to sit down and have a yeah. beer with, have a whiskey with, have a coffee with, someone you want to go afield with, um, very competent, very capable, extremely wise, uh, just a, and obviously funny. Um, people know that, but they, I don't think they know how, how smart he really is. Um, so anyway, yeah, we got, a, we got, we got plans. We have some plans, but, uh, you know, we'll see what happens with the writer's strike. But these scripts that are coming in now, because now Amazon has seen, you know, they, they won't share the numbers, but they know the numbers. Um, now we'll have a little more trust built up, whereas the first time, oh, they don't know it's a new show and we don't know this audience and okay. And so we, this time, now I think there's a little more political capital built up. And uh, these yep. scripts that these first five that we sent in right before the writer's strike, they are good. They are really good, and I am super excited to continue working on it as soon as, as soon as the strike's over. But until then, I'll be working on book seven, getting as far into that as I can before I go back to scripts. I, I do, how does that work? Like, do you? I'm sorry, I, I know it's your podcast, but no, no, go. But yeah. I want to know. <laughs> so you you wrote Terminal List, but you don't write the script too. Like, no, I mean, I guess you. Why did I guess you could at some point, but uh, no, the way it worked in this case, and I think every case is a little bit different. So in this case, Chris Pratt 
optioned it. He read it, loved it. Jared Shaw, my SEAL buddy, gave it to Chris and said, here's your next project. Chris read it and uh, then called that uh, that first week when we were together in January of 2018 before yep. the book hit shelves in March of 2018. Um, so once he gets it, so now he has the option. Uh, and then he has to figure, well, he has all these options and opportunities. So he could have, and I don't know this is the case with him, but let's say an, an actor or a production company or a director or a producer uh, might have all these, have bought all these different ones. And then now they have to prioritize and figure out which ones, because you only have so much bandwidth and so much time and you have to figure out which ones you're going to allocate your recess resources towards. So uh, luckily for me, Chris was loved the material and was passionate about it and wanted to do this. So that was step one. Uh, step two is that he wanted me involved because a lot of times they option something from an author and they want to get rid of that author right away because now you don't want that author on set saying you ruined my vision because it's a different medium through which you're telling a story. So it's an adaptation, um, meaning it's not exactly word for word what's in the book going on screen because you have a certain number of hours, you have a budget, you have production constraints via location or other things. So it has to, to, to fit into these, in that case, eight hours and it has to be eight episodes and you have to have this, this through line and maybe there's too many characters because you had all the characters from a book into a show all you do is introduce all these characters and there wouldn't be time for anything else. So maybe, or maybe it's a book with one person in it and now that's not really going to work in a, in a show with eight episodes. So, so I think every situation is a little bit different, but in this case, uh, Chris and, and luckily I was also lucky that Antoine Fuqua wanted it at the same time. And he's the director that I wanted and him and Chris happened to be friends. So when Antoine found out that Chris was, was after it, uh, Antoine called Chris and said, let's do this together. So on a handshake deal, they said, let's do this together. So Antoine is an executive producer and director. And, uh, and those two then found the showrunner and in series television, the showrunner is like a director of a movie, um, because a showrunner has multiple directors, to deal with and that showrunner has to run a writer's room because you're bringing in a certain number of people and they're getting assigned an episode and this is just this case like if it's taylor sheridan maybe taylor sheridan is writing every episode because of the political capital he's built up with paramount plus and whatever else he has going on out there but in this case we have a different writer for each episode um, in one case it was a writing team of two people um, so you bring all these people together they all read the novel and then you storyboard this thing out you outline this thing out you send those outlines up the chain in this case because chris and antoine wanted me involved uh, i read them read them all i advised on every script on every outline but it goes up through me, through Chris, through Antoine, all the way up to the top of Amazon Studios, and then back down with notes. And then the writer's room takes those and either incorporates those notes or comes back with reasons why they don't want to incorporate those notes. And so you get those scripts to a place and here's timelines because now things are moving forward and uh, you have a start date. So you got to get these scripts to approved and the best they can possibly be by the first day of filming. And then during filming, things get adapted along the way because it's let's say Taylor Kitsch brings something totally different to the character uh, and elevates it, which means, okay, that's going to change scripts for episode two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And uh, it's just a very dynamic process. And I love, once again, I loved every part of that. I was a sponge. I was learning. So this next time around, I'm writing the finale, uh, both to this origin story prequel series and then to uh, True Believer, the second novel as well. So, um, so I'm, I've been learning a lot this last few years. That's so, and that's why the writers are because I, I can't say, well, just write yourself, but you don't, that's not how it works. So, you got to have a, a team of writers, and they're 
and it's a different skill set. I mean, writing the story obviously is yours, and, but you know they they yeah they have to work with with your the bones of yours, mm-hmm. but to create it for TV. So okay, I get why they're why it's so important to have the the writers and why they're on strike. And the AI, what does AI have to do with anything? Like it figures out what. So you like could say, let's computer. say an, ex- an executive can say, let's take the TV show Friends uh, instead of having um, writers come up with the or create it and then write the scripts. Someone can just say, hey, you know what? I think we need a comedy on NBC that comes on at, let's say, 8 o'clock at 9 o'clock on Thursday. Uh, how about let's do some Friends put together in New York, three guys, three girls, put a coffee shop in there. Okay, AI, take those characters, take that, take that, that input and make a write a funny script that is 22 minutes long go and ai with everything that it's that it's sifting through uh spits out a script and maybe that script isn't horrible maybe it is and you give it some more of their instructions uh write another one make it more funny make it less funny make it uh move it to chicago move it to san francisco move it to whatever you're going to give it and then it does it for you so instead of having people around a table talking and creating and uh building off each other's past experiences and all the rest of it now you have a computer that's free doing that um so that's one of the one of the issues is how ai is going to be used in hollywood um, because it can possibly in the future, put these writers out of business, perhaps. We'll see. Early stages. Wow. That's, that's why, I mean, I've heard it on the news, but i trying to figure out how, how does that all affect that? So, so I mean, ultimately, they're not going to be able to fight against AI. That's coming. So there'll, there'll be, what they'll have to do is have like the clean Olympics and the, and the dirty Olympics. So there'll be the AI mm-hmm. network where it's Maybe. all fake computer generated nothing. And then real people one. Maybe. They, there's no way you could you could not create Laverne and Shirley or Lucille Ball. Mm-hmm. You cannot create that if you're a computer. You just it's not. Tell me it's not possible. Yeah, or, or I, you get close, or maybe you get you get something that you can work with now. And now instead of having let's say ten writers in a writers' room or eight or six coming up with these things, now you have one editor who tweaks what the AI, what AI spit out or something along those lines. So that I think that's what they're working through. I'm not exactly sure. Cause obviously I'm not in there in the negotiations and, um, but I think it's something along those lines. So it's, and it's really the first industry that I know of that's tackling AI as a, as a union essentially, and trying to put some things in place to manage it because you're right. AI is, is here and it's going to be incorporated some way, shape, or form into many industries, but this is the first one to real, really tackle it. And uh, so it's going to be interesting what precedents are set um, over the next, I don't know, day, months, however long it takes them to come to uh, to an agreement and resolutions. But uh, it's going to impact all of us in some way, shape, or form, probably positives and negatives, but uh, it's going to be very interesting in telling what this first industry and this first union to tackle AI, what comes out of it. So We'll see. And by the time this drops, maybe it'll all be worked out and people will be That's rolling it. their eyes at whatever I'm saying or saying I was way off base or something. Cause I, it's, and it's possible. So this is a, this will get dropped, you know, uh, mid October. Yeah. It'll be kind of cool to see what's going on. I mean, I read in your last one, I think your last two, you mentioned the big supercomputer, yeah, the quantum computer. Uh, yep. Yeah. Yeah. What was her name? Alice. Was, uh, Alice. So Alice, uh, Alice yeah. is coming I, back was, here. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was, I thought that I was going, I want more of Alice. Oh, awesome. Yeah. I thought that was like, uh, Oh, 
oh, that, that's kind of cool. Like some all-knowing, mm. that's pretty cool. Yeah, like, those, I, I love uh, that. Those exist. I, quantum computers exist, and um, people can can Google quantum computer and look it up. I describe it in the novel as a golden Medusa type of a thing. And when you look it up, if you put in quantum computer into the search bar, you will you'll see what I mean. That it's a, it's a, it's not doesn't look like the computer that we're used to picturing when someone says computer or envisioning when someone says computer. But uh, I would be shocked if because when you're dealing with with things that have, uh, or people who have been in the national security side of things and have clearances or have worked in that space for a long time, they are very hesitant to tell you too much. And both for the devil's hand, where I went into bioweapons and bio, uh, bioweapons defense research, and when I went into this AI realm with uh, in the blood, I interviewed a lot of people, and they'll each give you a little morsel. And by itself, it's not much. But if you interview enough people and they all drop a different morsel, then you can start putting that puzzle together, putting that composite together. And I would be shocked if what I describe, particularly in in the blood or uh, in, in the blood, uh, where I introduce Alice, if that facility that I describe is much different than uh, than I describe in the book, I'd be I'd be shocked if it was it was it was too different from that. So I love it because again, it's. What I did in Call Me Hunter, I took reality and, and just wove a story through it. But it's there. It's all there. Anybody can go look it up. Same with yours. It, it, I mean, it's, it's a, yeah, it's pretty cool. This whole creative process. What, what was it? Will, Willa Cather. Willa Cather said uh, uh, creative or desire is is the instrument of creativity. I'm paraphrasing. Okay. And you can, you should, if you could measure desire, you could measure achievement. Oh, interesting. And that, that's, yeah, so it's pretty cool how your your stories have come in. I mean, it's almost sci-fi, but it's yeah. not sci-fi because it's reality. It, you know, like, it, I, I just, like I say, I, I love reading about that. I, I thought that was a, a great addition to, to oh, those thank books. You. And I, I'm really, now I'm really, if she's back, I'm going to be even yeah. more excited. Coming back. I'll drop that. Uh, I'll drop that hint. Coming back in this, uh, in this next one in book seven that I'm working on right now. But uh, yeah, that the artificial intelligence thing, especially the way I describe it in, in that novel, the people that I talked to almost to a person who worked in that space said they could tell me more, but it would put my book in the science fiction category. And so that's a little bit scary. Yeah, that says that. That told me yeah. a lot. It wasn't just one person; it was multiple people said the same thing. Um, so, yeah. So, imagine what I wrote in that book, and imagine it at the next level that would put it into what we think of as science fiction. Because a lot yeah. of science fiction, as we know, well, now we have put people on the moon or into orbit or underneath the ocean in a submarine or in a balloon in the whatever it might be. Uh, a lot of those things have uh, have come to fruition. Pretty cool, eh? being a novelist. I mean, that's I love it every day. Jules Verne. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Like, like, here's the future, and you're writing about it. And I mean, what's real, what's not? I, I anyway, I, I'm, I'm just thrilled to be, you know, I wouldn't say shoulder to shoulder with you, but at least, oh man, you know, I, I, you know, somewhere in the audience, looking at you on the stage there, oh. but, but in that audience, it's pretty cool. Oh yeah, I mean that I am. So excited, one, that the book was so amazing when I read it. And it was a relief also because, you know, how much I respect you. Uh, and I was, I was, oh, man, not only am I relieved, but wow, this 
this is something special. So to have Call Me Hunter coming out on October 17th of this year, uh, hardcover, ebook, audiobook for the audiobook listeners. I'm sure there's a, the audio drop in the same, the same day, um, all available for pre-order ever. Anybody gets their books. I'm so excited for people. I'm excited to, to re- I stopped reading my reviews. Um, I read them for the first, you know, ones and first, you know, just cause I was curious, that sort of a thing. Um, but for me now it's all about, it's all about the story. Um, but I am excited to read what people think of this cause I am so curious and I know it's all, it's, it's going to be next level. And it's going to blow people away, especially if they, uh, they know a little bit about you. By the way, I saw the picture you posted the other day. What is what? Is, what are you holding? It's like a giant squid. You're wrestling in some very <laughs> short shorts. <laughs> yeah, you mean awesome, sexy short shorts? <laughs> I think those were your words yeah. in the post. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, that's the beauty of social media. I can, I can make fake news. Yeah, maybe they weren't quite so sexy. Uh, that that was a 125 pound octopus I Jeez. caught just about a mile and a half from our house here on Vancouver Island. I was with the kids actually. They were young in those days, and uh, it was just them and I and our little boat. And and all of a sudden, my rod went on. Oh, what is this? I said, Oh, yeah. and, you know, I knew it was something, but it, it's not like any fish. And then I finally, as it was coming up from two hundred feet, I I realized, well, the only thing that could be doing that is, you know, an, uh, an octopus. But mm-hmm. this thing has to be when it started coming up from the depths, mm-hmm. and it's all spread out wide. It was like, are you kidding me? It was like fifteen feet across the arms. Maybe even more than that. And uh, so I, I got him up high enough. I, I, it tried to grab onto my jig, my cod jig. Yeah. And so I, I got my hands underneath a, its mantle. And then I t- had the kids in the very front of the boat. It was not a big boat. And I slopped it, this thing, and, you know, tentacles were going everywhere. Wow. Way. And I had a, a big, giant cooler. And I, and I, because I, we used to fish for our food. I mean, I didn't, uh, this wasn't about catch and release. It was, I was fishing for food. Mm. And, uh, I, I got the the mantle of the head in, and then the arms I was beating on the arms, trying to get him in. The suckers every which way, and they wow. they actually pull off if they get stuck on something. So I finally got it into the cooler. You know, it slopped in there, and and I locked the cooler, put the locks down. I said, "Kids, we got to go." You know, I didn't know what to do with an octopus. I'd never caught one like that that big. So I was racing for home, and and uh, all of a sudden the kids started screaming, and I looked back, and the thing had busted open the lock. It was on the back of the hole. You know, starting to slop all no over the boat way. again. So I, yeah, and as you see from the picture, the size of the darn thing, yeah. it was, it was massive. I mean, literally, yeah. the just like can't describe how big it was. And uh, finally, got him, got him back into the cooler. And and I mean, I don't know. People say they're really intelligent. Yeah, you know, it, it's a mollusk. I mean, mm. so it's it's, you know, it, it, for us, for me, it was food then, and mm. it's still I love. Mm. Popol or whatever they call it, octopus. I love it. Mm-hmm. So, so it's yeah. uh, I catch them all the time out here when we're prawning, uh, and, but never one that big again. That that yeah. was the biggest one I ever caught. Yeah, if people go to your Instagram and look at that, it's uh, you're not a small guy. You're a, you're a tall, and this thing is so you can tell uh, that this thing is oh, yeah. gigantic in that photo. <laughs> no, no one's no one's gonna notice me. They're gonna notice my shorty shorts. And, <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, there's that. <laughs> I think I think I also posted about uh, tidy whities. What I think that was my post. Am I the only one that's really happy that shorty shorts and tidy yeah. tidy whities are coming? <laughs> they are. I heard that they're yeah. coming back. It's a thing, <laughs> which is good for you. You can pull out yeah. those old shorts again. <laughs> oh my goodness! That was you know I met my wife in 1984, Louise. Uh, I went to a. I was thinking to myself, where do you meet you know pretty girls and and I. And I 
you know, 26 years old, finally, after all the, those years, it hit me when you go to a dance studio, you know, well, there's got to be girls there. So I, I went to the dance studio, but I'd never been to a dance. It was advanced ballet jazz, and I didn't know the teacher or anything. Um, and I, I wore shorty shorts, and and uh, I had them split up the side, so just up at the band even, and a little white muscle shirt on, and uh, I married the dance instructor uh, six months later. So anyone wow. that's listening that is poo-pooing shorty shorts, let me hey. tell you something, they work. Yeah. <laughs> it had to be that. It sure wasn't sure wasn't my personality. Oh, stop it. <laughs> well, I think you, do you have a picture from that day or is it there's a black and white one that you posted not too long ago? I think if people scroll down, oh, there's a oh, yeah, early on, I think. Oh, which one of uh, I don't know if it was your first I, I date. Often, maybe you said for maybe it was a first for, date. I don't know, maybe maybe you're not yeah, met, maybe date, it's yeah. not the first time you met, but maybe maybe it's a first date picture that's uh no, first date, yeah. yeah, so that's in no, there. We, we posted yeah, that's uh, and and just about of all all the responses, you could pretty well distill them to one comment, which is I way out kick my coverage. Uh, you know, <laughs> what is it? Over yeah. married my station or whatever. Yeah, right. It's, it's always the same. Yeah. Like, like, or is she blind? Is another one. Like, what is, <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, those are great when you post those but, those pictures. It's uh, it's fantastic. And if people do go through them, they'll notice connections. Yeah. To this book. Yeah, well, that's right. If they go, if they go, I mean, if I think I've posted six thousand posts over the years. Mm. So, if somebody wants to dig that deep, but like I say, I, I, when we talked about the novel right off the bat, I hope somebody with a lot of money go ahead, you know, Google it, figure it out, talk to the people, talk to the people I mentioned, and mm. you remember that they're going to remember. You know, it's just, it's, yeah. is it true or what's true? If that happened, what, you know, what what's not true then? Right. So, so that's, that's my hope is that like quicksand, they just get, the more they fight against this possibly being true, they, the deeper they get sucked into it. Yeah. And that's what makes we'll, it so we'll fun. That's what makes it so fun as well. Cause people will be questioning what's, uh, what's true. What isn't, what are whispers of truth and, uh, and what's all made up. So, um, yeah, very cool. Call me Hunter, October 17th of this year. So this podcast will drop that week. I think it will drop this on the 18th and, uh, yeah, publication week. So, man, Jim, congratulations again on this. I, I can't just tell you how, uh, how excited I am for you and and uh, for everyone who's going to read this. Well, that's that's greatly appreciated. You were, you were an instrumental part of it, but I was trying to get it into Emily's hands for months. And, and literally it took like you just saying, read it. And, and as I said at the beginning, novelists don't do that for other novelists because – you know, as you know, there's not a lot of great writing out there. There's, if there is, it doesn't always cross our, our desks. And and uh, for you to do that, you're taking a big chance. You took a big chance on on supporting that and telling her. You like you said, it's you did that one time, and it and it meant it means more to me. Like I can't repay it, can't because it's been a dream since I was ten years old. But I can pay it forward. There, there'll be other people if I ever get the opportunity. To, to do good with any voice that I'm given in the future. I, I promise I will live up to that example that you set uh, doing that for me. It's just, thank you. Well, I mean, you've done a lot for, I mean, more than you'll ever, ever know for those of us who venture a field and uh, that is sincerely appreciated as well. That, uh, that example, those shows uh, you mentioned uncharted earlier. I meant to mention it earlier as well. Uh, gosh, what a, 
amazing show you guys did. All of them have been fantastic. Um, and I like how they all, uh, just like with anything, you always want to do something a little different and a little quote unquote better. Of course, better being subjective, of course, but you always want to elevate and, uh, yeah, Uncharted is amazing. So everybody can go back and find those and then check out shock therapy as well, which is, uh, is, is going on right now. Yeah. Yeah. We have shock therapy. We actually up here in Canada produce another show called Yukon harvest. It's oh, wow. about the indigenous people about here and getting back to the land. It, it, that show is, it airs on the uh, Aboriginal people's television network. Okay. So it's, it's pretty well first nations, uh, people, um, and we produce that and another one coming out in this next year is called coastal carvers and and that is also about first nations uh, carvers mm-hmm. you, you guys call them native americans so so we we're we're pretty tied in which you'll see in uh, call me hunter into the indigenous societies here mm-hmm. up in canada and culture that's amazing i'm gonna have to check those out i didn't know those were one out and one coming down the pike. So, um, yeah, that's amazing. That is amazing. I mean, you're always busy. You're never not busy, but, uh, man, thank you for spending time tonight. I really hope we can link up at, or at least at, uh, at SCI. And, uh, do you know anything about your book tour yet? Have you done it? Have you, uh, gotten any advanced notice because people should, uh, if when they hear this, they should definitely check out. You'll be posting about it as well. I am sure, uh, about, book tour or whatever else you're doing uh, to let people know this is yeah. out there. Yeah, I think we're, we're, we're actually working with Cabela's and Bass Pro. Uh, nice. So I, I, I believe we're, I'm going to be going to about 10 other stores and doing appearances. And, and I believe they're carrying the novel in, in 135 of their stores, awesome. which is, they've never sold novels before. So this is a first, I just wow. saw the mock-ups and some kind of a, I don't know, table display thing. So, so it's, it's pretty cool. I'm looking forward to that because I, I mean, I love the Cabela's family. I've known forever, and mm-hmm. and John Paul and Johnny Morris are wonderful, wonderful people. I'll be with them this fall in my own hunting camp, yeah. and, uh, and I've known them for years. Was that the opening of their Wonders of Wildlife? Yeah, the museum uh, or the yeah. yeah. Where is that it's one again? Yeah, where is that one again? Springfield, Missouri, thought, yeah. and and it's one like best aquarium in North America for. I think two or three years running it, it's crazy how popular yeah. and, and how respected that, that wonders of wildlife museum and aquarium is. It, it's, it's worth going. Anybody listening, yeah. you, you got to go check it out. Yeah. So, so, and I'll be, I'll probably be doing an appearance there as well. I, 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 I just want to one way or another. Yeah. Uh, so I, I know that that's in the works. Uh, cool. I, I know I'm supposed to be centered out of our, our home in Pinehurst, North Carolina for at least yeah. a couple of weeks in October um, but I, I, you know, this book tour stuff is above my pay grade. So <laughs> I, I'm going to have to, I'll, I'll be giving you a, a call saying, Perfect. what am I supposed to do? <laughs> you know, yeah, no, we can talk. It's all, it's fun. I love them because it's the chance to, to shake hands and look people in the eye and say, thank you, uh, for taking, spending time in the pages of this novel that you're never going to get back for trusting me with that time. So that's something I take yeah. extremely sure. seriously. So I do love, uh, love book tour because you get to say thank you in person. And I try to say thank you on social channels as much as I can, or just through whatever I'm, I'm putting out there, which I hope adds value to, to people's lives throughout the year. But, uh, but to, to, to shake hands in person and, and look people in the eye and say, thank you, uh, is, is a special thing. So you'll have a, you'll have a great time on book tour. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be great. I'm looking forward to it. I, I remember seeing you after a terminalist at shot show 
uh, yeah. Up remote. <laughs> it, it, I was walking down the aisle, and there there's a big long lineup all the way around, you know, like way down the aisle. I go, who the heck is this guy? You know, like, who is it? As I got closer, I realized it was you. So, and I was going to stand in line. And I thought, yeah, I'm you walked by for two that, hours. Away. <laughs> that was fantastic. We got to link I up. I took a picture. Yeah, <laughs> that was really cool. That yeah. was really cool that you did that. And that was awesome. I have a picture. I posted it, and uh, that was uh, that was really cool of you to do that. That was awesome. I remember exactly uh, what uh, what shot show that was, and that was yeah, I appreciated it big time, big time. Well, it's 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 amazing to see how well you've done your success. Yeah. You know, all of us bask in your your, your limelight. It, it's you're one of us, and and look how successful. I mean, you got shows on mainstream media. You you've cracked that. You know that. You know the wall that was blocking us from ever getting in there. You cracked it. You cracked it, and that's allowed you know me to get you know my head in there too now. And if I can crack it open and make that a bigger hole and let the world know how, I mean, really respected and and worthy people that think like us are and and how intelligent and how capable we are and creative yeah I, I think i think that it's going to be a better world because of you cracking that i i truly do cracking that i call it a wall you know taking one brick out of the wall whatever you did and and you know allowed me to get through too and and i promise i'll bust through as much as i can and it's it's wonderful to be part of your success even if it's a little remotely and and uh oh. you know it's not not my own glory it's it, it really all of us you're 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 ours whether oh. you want to know that or not you're ours so we uh oh i brag you up here there's not a day goes by i don't brag you up and oh, drop man. your name and, oh thank oh, you yeah, this, look how cool i am because i know this guy <laughs> and, and all of us you oh. think a lot of us are and every, everyone out there that's listening to this for the first time read these books it is it, they're they're cool i remember my son and i brandlin read terminalist like you i read it and you got to read this and then we're all james reese we're going to be oh, the, how cool are we and <laughs> yeah that that's it, it's it's um yeah it's really really special and, and difficult what you've accomplished congratulations oh. every every which way well i appreciate that and uh and uh, that congratulations goes both ways because this is out there and my gosh, everything you've done uh, over your, your lifetime that uh, made it into these pages and behind you on the wall through the TV shows with your family. Uh, man, it, I got to tell you, it's, uh, it's an inspiration to, to me and countless others. So, uh, so thank you for everything. Oh, mutually, mutually right back at you. We're, uh, you always do your best and that that's, no regrets if you do it live your life that way appreciate that appreciate that and be sure to uh to tell brandon congratulations tonight when you do the uh the show uh and uh yeah him on the guitar and yeah please give everybody my uh my very best my love a hug and uh yeah hopefully we'll be seeing all of you soon sounds good to me we'll get you on my shock therapy because i i got i've got a billion questions right <laughs> let's do it i'm serious I, I gotta, I gotta learn more about because we blabbered about me. Yeah, I feel bad about that. But anyway, oh, next yeah. time we'll we'll refocus on you and I want to learn more <laughs> as, as do all of us. Uh, so well, thank you for having me on your podcast. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, once again, call me Hunter. It is out right now when this drops. So pick this thing up. You will not be disappointed. I'm so excited. Call me Hunter, Jim Shockey. It's out there right now. Jim, take care. And uh, yeah, thanks again. Good. Thanks a lot, John. Appreciate it.
I've been a fan of Black Rifle Coffee Company since their inception. I love when veterans leave the military and pursue their passion. In this case, coffee. The coffee is fantastic, and as an added benefit, the company is built on quality, patriotism, and giving back to the veteran and first responder communities. I've been a subscriber to the BRCC Coffee Club for years and love it. My favorite is Silencer Smooth. It gets delivered every single month. The Black Rifle Coffee Club. Being part of the club gives you the power to elevate your coffee experience to the next level. The Black Rifle Coffee Club puts you in the driver's seat. You pick the texture and the roast you want, the frequency you want it delivered, and the quantity. You get to completely personalize your club orders, ensuring that your favorite coffee is sent to your door exactly how you want it, when you want it. Right now, Black Rifle Coffee is offering an exclusive opportunity for new coffee club members. Join today and enjoy 30% off your first order when you use the discount code DANGERCLOSE at checkout. That's right, 30% off just for being a part of our growing coffee community. Remember to use the discount code DANGERCLOSE at checkout. Welcome to the gear highlight portion of the Danger Close podcast. First off, thank you to Badass Workbench for this amazing workbench table desk. That's badass-workbench.com. Great group of people over there, so be sure and check them out. And thank you to Fort Knox Safes. Loving this safe here in the corner, so check them out as well. And from the safe is this very special gift that I got to commemorate the launch of my latest novel, Only the Dead, for my dear friends Gavi and Katie. Thank you both so much. So what is in here? Well... I'll tell you. Look at that pistol right there. So it's the Masada, and it is from Israel Weapon Industries. And why is this significant? Well, one, because I am very difficult to shop for. Uh, and two, because Israel plays such a vital role in my last two books. So check that out right there, the Masada, and look what they did. Oh, yeah. Crossed tomahawks right there and also right there. So thank you so much. This is amazing. And thank you so much for the notes that you included in this package. Really meant the world to me. So thank you. All right. What else? Right here, Allegiance Flag Supply. This is a Jack Car edition right here. You can go to my website, officialjackcar.com, to find these. But what is significant about Allegiance Flag Supply? Well, they are 100% made in the USA. So check them out for sure, whether it's on my website or not. Very cool to have American flags made in the USA. You think most would be, but Allegiance Flag Supply made in the USA. Very cool. Speaking of made in the USA, Origin, Maine, uh, right here. This is the Raptor camo right here, dirt to shirt, made in the USA. Check them out and everything they have going on right here. This is Cross Tomahawks edition. Last year, these went fast. By the time this video drops, they might be gone already, but uh, check them out for sure. Origin, Maine, and this one will be on my website, officialjackcar.com. Dot com. Click on shop in the upper right-hand corner. Check out the shirt, the flag, and everything else on the site. So very cool. Jocko, Pete, Kip, you guys are crushing it. And what else here? Headlamps. Can't have too many headlamps. This is a Petzl. It's a very small one. They are in all vehicles, backpacks, drawers. Uh, 
lot of pencil head lamps around here. The kids always get another one in their stocking every year for Christmas. But uh, check them out. Pencil head lamps, always good to have on hand. And Swiss Army knife. So right here, I got this Swiss Army knife recently, and I got it at the same store that my dad got one for me when I think I was about eight years old. And I got the same model that my dad got me uh, for my youngest child. And right here, the same, same store, same model, and the same sheath right here. So uh, very cool that that place is still in business. And once again, Swiss Army knives, I think just everybody needs one. And uh, it was really cool of me to find this in that same store and then be able to give it to my son, just like my dad gave me one all those years ago. So Swiss Army knives, very cool. And what is this? A Tiffany's box? Yes, it is. But uh, this was a gift for being the spotlight guest at Thriller Fest this year, um, which is a, you could call it a, a writer's convention. But anyway, I recommend anyone who is trying to get something published, go to Thriller Fest. They have uh, a bunch of very cool seminars, panels, and they have this thing called agent speed dating, where you can go from one agent to the next to give your pitch. And I know a few people who have gotten books published that way. So as a spotlight guest, uh, it was very cool to be on stage with a uh, Brad Thor for a panel, and then also at dinner to sit with Michael Connolly, uh, who created Harry Bosch. And Michael Connolly, if you haven't read his stuff, you can start right at the beginning with Black Echo. Uh, and he's just an incredible guy, and it was such an honor to spend some time with him. Very cool. But Thriller Fest, because I was a spotlight guest, gave me a pen, and I do love pens, so they gave me this one with J.C., on it right there. So uh, thank you to everyone at Thriller Writers and Thriller Fest for such a great event and uh, very, very cool. So check them out. And what is this? Andrew Arabito Half Face Blades. Jeez, I ordered this about a decade ago. No, just kidding, not that long ago. But it just seems that way because every time Beto does a knife drop. These things are gone so quickly. They are works of art, but they are also tools to be used. So very cool, Beto, right there. And matching. So you remembered. Look at that. So got the matching hawk and blade right there. So half-face blades. Follow him on the social channels. And Beto, thank you. These things are Awesome. Absolutely love this. That's just a that's just a work of art. It's so cool. Keep crushing, brother. All right. What else? The Outdoorsmans. Go to outdoorsmans.com. Check out what they have going on. And if you don't have an Outdoorsman's tripod, you definitely need one. You need all the attachments. And right here, they made this for me. This is a bino attachment right here. Um, and a bino adapter and they put the cross tomahawks on it right there. I don't know if you can see that in the video, but yeah, bino adapter from the outdoorsmans, outdoorsmans.com and such a great group of people down there. Absolutely love my tripod, love all the accessories. And this is just too cool that they did that. So thank you guys so much. And the presentation box. Oh yeah. Next level. That is very cool. And thank you for the kind note right here as well. So outdoorsmans.com. Cannot wait to put this to use. And uh, thank you guys. Last 
protein sticks from First Form. Uh, 20 grams of protein in these bad boys. And yeah, these are fueling me through my seventh novel that I am writing right now. So very cool there. All right. I think that's it. Take care out there. Thank you for tuning in to the Danger Close podcast, an Ironclad original presented by Navy Federal Credit Union. To find out more about what Jim Shockey has going on, follow him on Instagram at Jim Shockey Official, and that is J-I-M-S-H-O-C-K-E-Y Official. Also go to his website, jimshockey.com. Check out his shows on the Outdoor Channel, Jim Shockey's Hunting Adventures, The Professionals, Uncharted, and Shock Therapy. And be sure to pick up his novel, Call Me Hunter, wherever books are sold. You can follow me on the social channels at JackCarUSA. OfficialJackCar.com is the website. Click on shop in the upper right-hand corner for the merch. And if you enjoyed this conversation, be sure and leave a five-star rating and review wherever you get your podcasts. Until the next time, take care out there. Stay safe. Be strong. Keep fighting. Keep fighting.